0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy
1: The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. We all remember seeing years ago those futuristic drawings saying what the future is going to be. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. Gleaming buildings, fast monorails. This is the future. It was all started by a month. Twice the size of Manhattan. We want you to share with us our latest and greatest dreams. Walt Disney World. Better than any other urban environment in
2: America. Two True Freaks proudly presents...
1: We hope that it will be unlike anything else on this earth. job courses, campgrounds, stores, hotels... Earning my ears. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for everyone who participates. We're ready to go right now. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas.
2: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Earning My Ears. I can't tell you how excited I am for this show. I have been wanting to do this for the longest time and here we finally are. So, But I'm kind of putting the, the cart behind the horse or ahead of the horse or whatever that expression is. My name is Scott Gardner and I am a Walt Disney Worldaholic. Hi, Hi Scott. Scott. Joining me for this endeavor, again, here, here we go, I couldn't be more thrilled about this my good friend, and fellow Walt Disney World addict, Scott Rifen.
1: Was I supposed to say, hi, Scott, when you said <laughs> that earlier? It's going that- to
2: get dubbed in <laughs> afterwards, so yes.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I missed my cue. Hey, now, you know, let me just tell you this. I, I have everything in the world to be thankful for you for, because you have now got me doing two things that I've wanted to do for a very long time, and that is a regular Star Wars podcast and a regular Disney World podcast. There you go. Ah, so I just feel free and happy.
2: <laughs> this is definitely going to be my happy place. I tell you what, my laughing place, as it were, because uh, yes, I, I have been itching to do this. You know, as longtime two true freaks listeners are no doubt aware. I mean, we've had many kind of fits and starts and, and different things, and they've heard me, you know, go through the process of, of buying a digital recorder and do a couple of recordings from parks and you know the occasional Disney special, but. I'm sure that they're aware, and especially if they follow the uh, the Facebook group as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're very aware uh, aware that I've been itching to do this for a while, and it just came down to finding the time, but also just you know finding the right collaborator for this. And, and you know, you and I have a great passion for for you know, Walt Disney World, and I just think it's a great fit. You know, whenever we get together uh, at the parks, we're both. Uh, uh, as we'll kind of play with a little bit later in, in this episode and we're in with the format of the show, we're always kind of playing one upmanship with, you know, did you know this? Well, did you know that, you know, about different <laughs> rides and attractions and restaurants and what have you. So yeah, I, I think it's a great fit. I think we're going to have a, a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be an absolute too. blast. Well, um, as, uh, well, I'm just going to let the, the listeners peek behind the curtain a little bit. This is our first episode, of course, as I said, and, uh, we have a lot of great ideas between the the two of us we we've just kind of had this this flood of ideas that we've had for the show what we want it to be what we want to try to do things like that i'm really looking for participation and interest from the listeners as far as you know what you guys want to hear what would you like us to cover Um, but we are going to kind of play around with the format uh, and we have some really great ideas for how we want to go with the direction of this thing and i think Right out of the gate, the best thing for us to do is uh, is to kind of give our uh, our Disney origin stories, as it were, and just kind of give uh, our, our Disney credentials. You know what makes us uh, qualified, as it were, to even do a, a show talking uh, about Walt Disney World. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Woohoo. Would you like to take the lead on this? You, would you, you have like been, me to take? I, I kind of would, yeah, only okay. because you have been coming so much longer to Walt Disney World than I have, that uh, and and you you um, have the the wider range of guest perspective, as it
1: were. I don't know. I don't know about longer because I saw that picture of you on the Speedway <laughs> not too long ago.
2: <laughs> well,
1: that was my know. that
2: was my one and only time as a child. So. Say, I
1: don't know if I was born when that picture was taken. Oh, Gordon.
2: harsh. <laughs>
0: So when when
1: was that? When was that visit? That was
2: 1974. That was uh, okay. I was I was six years old. Don't do the math. Um, <laughs> I was six years old. I was 74. That was my one and only time coming as a child to Walt Disney World. And uh, I, I just got recently uh, uh, I got an envelope recently from my mother, and uh, and she found that and some other pictures and sent them to me. And when I opened that one, or when I got to that one, I was just, I got so excited because years ago, my mother had given me. Um, our old family like we had, we had, you know, many family albums over the years, but we had this one giant black leather bound family album that's literally falling to pieces. That was the family album, like from when I was born up through about age, I don't know, maybe like 9, 10, 12, something like that. And so that was the one that meant the most to me. And. Years ago, on a a visit to my parents' house, she just, out of the blue, she just handed it to me. She's like, you know, I know this means more to you than, you know, anything. You know, go ahead, you you take it, you hold on to it, kind of thing. Which really surprised me. I figured this would be something I would get, like, when my parents passed or something, you know? But she was like, no, no, I want you to have it. So I took it, knowing that there were pictures in there from that one Disney trip. Got it home, started pouring through it, and I was heartbroken to discover that so many of the pictures that I remembered were not in the book and so i asked her about it later like what happened to these pictures and she had no idea she said i thought they were all in there so i was very disappointed that so many of the pictures were missing and then recently she was uh back in upstate new york visiting extended family and somehow or other one of her older brothers had come across all these old pictures and a bunch of the pictures that were in there were the missing disney pictures so how he wound up uh, with him, she didn't know. I didn't know. I, I don't know if like he'd held on to things for her at some point or something and during a move or so. I have no idea. But they turned up, and one of them was that uh, that Speedway picture, and it just it just made me so happy seeing that because I, I love stuff like that where you can. I think that's one of the great things about Walt Disney World is the fact that you know, say Magic Kingdom for example, it's ever changing. And then in a lot of ways, it never changes at the yeah. at simultaneously. So you can look at that picture and identify elements that are still there 40 years later today, and then other elements that are completely different from the way that it looked back then. And I, I think that's cool. It's, it's this weird, it's like this looking through this weird other dimensional filter or something. It's just really, it's strange <laughs> that, that, that it can exist in two worlds like that simultaneously, never changing and ever changing at the same time.
1: Yeah, and actually, I will tell you the truth. When I first saw that photo, and you had the mouse ears on, I thought, okay, the mouse ears are it. And I thought you were at home or on the sidewalk or something. Mm-hmm. And the more I looked at it, I went, wait a minute, he's driving because I looked at, I saw the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and that was the old school steering. They don't have this. I don't think the steering wheels are like that anymore. But it immediately jumped in my mind that that was the steering wheel from one of the speedway cars mm-hmm. from back in the day. And that's when I went, oh, he's actually on the speedway with his mouse ears on. There's a
2: picture somewhere, and this is one of the ones that unfortunately is still missing. But I can remember it clearly in my mind's eye. A picture of me. And it's from that. So I'm wearing the same outfit I'm wearing in that picture. It was from the same ride. We're in queue for the Speedway. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there, and I got my mouse ears and my whatever that is, like a powder blue shirt or whatever I'm wearing and everything. And my dad looks like he's a member of like the Beatles or something he's got long <laughs> hippie hair he's got a you know he looks he kind of looks like a Jesus freak in a lot of ways and you know he's, he's got the full beard and mustache and the long hippie hair and he's wearing like a wife beater and everything and smoking a cigarette just standing and that was my dad I mean if you, if you ever you know anytime I think of my dad like from the 70s it, it, that's the image I think of because that's just what he looked like back then you know and it's funny to think, you know, in so many ways, you just, you wouldn't really see that at Disney, especially the cigarette, you know, today. Oh, yeah. And it, just, oh, yeah. it just cracks me up. And I wish I could find that picture because I, I just, I always love that picture because it was just, you know, me, the little dorky kid with mouth ears, and then him, you know, Mr. Hippie <laughs> hair with his cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Just, it and cracks me up.
1: Nice. Although I will say, you say powder blue shirt, but it actually, I think the pattern on your shirt is the same as the tiles that used to be in Caribbean Plaza. <laughs> so, you know, there's kind of a tie-in there. <laughs> those tiles aren't there anymore. I think those tiles are still at uh, at the Tower of Terror, though. So, you know, you can still revisit your shirt anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Either
1: that or it's a Corningler shirt. I'm not sure which. <laughs> uh,
2: it's actually one of the less hideous outfits that my my, my parents dressed me in because I'm telling you, I look at those old pictures and I always have to ask my mother, say, "Like you guys loved me, right?" Because it's not <laughs> evident by the clothes that you're making me dress up <laughs> no. in the pictures. She's like, "Well, that was the style." I'm like, "I don't, I don't know."
1: Yeah, and I will tell you that in my 19, because my first trip to Disney also was 1974. Oh, it was okay. December. It was December of 1974, and there are pictures of me at Disney World with my mouse ears in 1974 as well and the pants they've got on me that first day that first visit the the gaudiest golfer would not be wearing those pants (laughs) i mean they are some kind of a gigantically massive crayola 64 box plaid some it's just it's awful (laughs) absolutely awful now do you know about
2: what time of year it was
1: yeah it was december it was like december okay i think um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a stickler for those kinds of things. So and no,
2: no chance that I, like you were the kid ahead of me that I bumped on the on the race cars or <laughs> anything like that.
1: No, because my brother would have beaten you up if you had. <laughs> my brother was six years older than I was. So I just
2: I've always wanted. You know, haven't you ever wondered in life? You know, is there is there anybody that I ever knew later in life that somehow we'd cross paths? Yeah. Know, unwittingly years because there was that great story a couple of years ago. And yes. from what I've heard, it's actually true. This photo that turned up that actually has a, a husband and wife in the picture as yep. children long before they ever knew each other on don't vacation even, at Walt Disney World. And I just yeah. think that that's incredible.
1: Yeah, don't even think they lived in the same state at the Yeah, time. yeah. And uh, yeah, there they are. Uh, just It's a picture of him and she's in the background and it turns out, hey, guess what? That's us.
2: I, I you know that's just amazing to me well
1: and and magical i mean think about it it. we always yeah we always associate disney world as being the most magical place on earth and where else is something like that going to happen i guarantee you the county fair that didn't happen absolutely you know it didn't happen at uh, niagara falls it happened at disney world Mm
0: -hmm.
1: didn't happen at rock city See rock city (laughs) it happened in the magic kingdom but uh i guess i guess i should do my origin story huh So, 74. 74. December 74, we went. And I knew about Disney World. I knew a little something about it. But I didn't know a lot. I knew we watched Disney every Sunday night on NBC. And I knew that we had driven down there with my brother, my mom, and dad. And we went down. And I had no idea what to expect. And I remember, as a four-year-old, getting on the monorail and being taken somewhere else. And that was huge to me that we were getting on this because I you know, I'd been to parks, I'd been to the fair, and I kind of thought of Disney World was just the fair. You go in, you walk in the gate, and you do stuff. But you go in, you get your ticket, and then you get on the monorail and they take you somewhere else. Somewhere you can't just walk out of because you're, you know, you gotta take the train over. And back then, if you remember, they had the topiaries all over the place. So yes, you'd see the topiaries yeah. as you went down. And I thought, this is amazing. They got, you know, they got bushes that are shaped like Mary Poppins and then I looked ahead and we were going towards a building and we went into the building and we rode through this gigantic building. And I said, dad, what is this? Dad said, this is a hotel. I said, this is a hotel. Why aren't we staying here? <laughs> See, we were staying in some little rinky dink motel in Kissimmee. And my dad said, forget it. This place is too expensive. <laughs> you will never stay here.
2: Because our last name's not Rockefeller, son. Yeah. That's not why yeah. we're not staying here.
1: <laughs> you will never stay in this place. And uh, so we went We went to the Magic Kingdom, and I can't tell you how just amazed I was about everything. I mean, and, and unfortunately, some of the things that, that amazed me the most are no longer there. The Magic Shop just blew me away. The penny arcade stunned me because I was a kid, and you kids, you don't have a lot of money, and you can play all these games for a penny each. How great was that? Uh, you know, plus the little, how uh, oh, what do you call it? You crank it and the, and the, the help me out here. The little Moviola thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's I know the, what you. I know what you mean. I'm not sure what they're called. Some of those still exist. They're on the uh, the platform up in the uh, at the train main street uh, train station. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I just can't think of what they're called. It's like a movie movieola or
1: something like that. Yeah, and you, they, you put
2: the penny in and you you actually you would hand crank it. Yeah, you watch, watch the little, film. Yeah, little
1: Fatty Arbuckle short or something like that.
2: I think one of the ones that remains is The Kiss, which is... I'm trying to remember, there's something historically relevant about that. It was either the first one or the most popular one. One of the two, mm-hmm. I
1: forget. But that was just... I mean, that was that whole thing amazed me. I loved all... I, that Penny Arcade, I could have stayed there the whole time and not even seen the rest of it. But then, you know, you, you, you go on Jungle Cruise... And you go on pirates. Holy cow, pirates? You're in the middle of a pirate battle. <laughs> there Things are blowing up in the water all around you. And you're four years old. This is the greatest thing ever. And, um, you know, uh, obviously Peter Pan's flight. I, I remember because, you know, certain things, you don't remember everything at once. And sometimes things come back to you. And I remember being... I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. I might have been 14 or so. I was just getting high school. And all of a sudden, I just got hit with this vision of, I've been somewhere where I was above a gigantic miniature London. Mm-hmm. And there were cars there. What in God's name was that? Mm-hmm. And it and it, and it wasn't until a couple of years later, I went on a band trip you know, with my high school band. We got on Peter Pan. I went, this is the place. This is where I knew I had been. I didn't know why I had been somewhere where we were above a miniature London. But there it was. so uh, that one stuck with me. The speedway, the fact that I could drive was amazing. Uh, There was just, uh, we went to Mars. Actually, we went to the moon. We went to the moon on that trip Mm -hmm. for crying out loud. I went to the moon and back, and that blew me away. I mean, I couldn't believe we were in this place. And the whole time I was thinking, we took a train to get here, and we can't just walk out. We are somewhere else. And that whole notion stuck with me. We came back a year or two later. I think I was six when we came back. Uh, with some family friends, we went on another trip, and then we came back right after, right before they were building Epcot. My dad was a motorcycle nut, and not a motorcycle nut in that he's got 38 million tattoos and he wears a Nazi helmet and all that other stuff. You know, he's not the guys that, that uh, terrorized Philo Beto and uh, the the uh, every which way but loose movies. <laughs> but uh, but he was, you know, he very. My dad's a very straight laced guy. He just loves motorcycles, and he would go down to Bike Week every year. And he would go to go to the races. He would go to watch the Daytona 200. He'd go to watch the motocross there. And it got to the point where my mom figured out that if instead of his going down to Daytona by himself for four or five days, we could go and stay in Sanford, which at the time was kind of an outpost dead between the two, and we could stay in Sanford. He could travel over to Daytona. We could travel to Disney. He could take my brother and mom and I could go to Disney World. So. For a couple of years, we did that. And one year we did it, and they were still building Epcot. The next year we came back, and they had opened Epcot. So that would have been, I guess, 83. And we went to Epcot. I remember thinking, holy cow, I'm in Epcot. And I'm so annoyed because I'm just about to be a teenager. And the year before, I'd been to the World's Fair. So I was expecting thrill rides. and you know, I was expecting Magic Kingdom type stuff. Which, uh, got, which
2: World's Fair?
1: Uh, 82, Knoxville. Oh,
2: okay.
1: And so I, got, I was expecting Magic Kingdom-type thrill rides and fun and all that. And I got there, and I was at the World's Fair again. <laughs> kind, of, kind of went, yeah, this is nice, and it's pretty and all, but I just was here! <laughs> it's the World's Fair! So I had a bad taste in my mouth from Epcot from the start, unfortunately. But I got over it over time uh, and realized it kind of smoked the World's Fair anyway. But, um... We went back again, a band, that band trip I was talking about in the mid-'80s. And then I I didn't get to go back again because, you know, it was college, and I didn't have the money to go. And it just, you know, it, it just wasn't happening. I made one trip to Orlando in those intervening years, and it was to go watch them blow up the building, the former city hall for the beginning of Lethal Weapon 3. That was the only time I spent in Orlando. And uh, after I got out of college, I remember going down... I was asked to help be part of a store changeout. Cam- I worked for Camelot Music, and the, the highest volume Camelot Music store in the world was in the Florida Mall. It was not the biggest store, but they sold the most stuff because, I guess, all the tourists coming through. And they were changing out all their racks, all new stuff, and I got asked to be part of that team. So some of us went down from Brunswick down there, and as we're driving to our hotel room... The, the manager who was driving me overshot. He missed the exit. And as we're driving by, I see Pleasure Island from the interstate. And I go, Yeah, I forgot Disney's right here. I forgot how much <laughs> forgot. I lost this place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't thinking about it because it just, it was just, it had become not an option because right. of the money. It just was, it, you know, it, it just kind of got shut out of my brain because what's the point? What's the point in thinking about it? And, uh... In my brain, it just went, holy cow, yeah, Disney's right here. It's right here. And so we stayed in a hotel that night, and all I could think was, I'm right near Disney. And I haven't been in there forever. And the weird thing was, I came back, and the next week, my mom says to me, and I was still living at home, I was 23, November of 93, and my mom says to me, uh, you know what, we've been thinking about it. We've, we found out, uh, one of our friends found a way you can actually stay at Disney World fairly cheaply. And uh, we think we're going to go next week. Do you want to go with us? (laughs) Do I want to go with you? (laughs) And I immediately went out and bought all the handbooks I could buy and spent the week reading them (laughs) so that I could be prepared for the trip. I'm 23 years old. It's November of 93. We go down to the trip. We stayed at the Hotel Royal Plaza, which now I think is the... It's not the W. It's got some weird name now. It just got redone. But it's in that Hotel Village Uh It's right up the road from where the Disney Village used to be, Disney Village Marketplace. Right. uh, Which we all know is downtown Disney now. Mm -hmm. And we stayed there, and I... Usually when I went on a trip with the parents, you know, it was always, well, I don't want to do this, and you want to go visit people's houses who died 200 years ago. And... (laughs) uh, you know, this was not that. This was oh, let's do this and let's do that. And this and I remember at one point them saying, "You know what? Why don't you just go off on your own?" And I kept going, "No, no, no, I want to do this with you guys." And they go, "No, no, just just go off on your own." And I went, "Oh, okay," and did my thing. I found out later it was because I had completely worn them out, and I didn't realize it because I was having <laughs> such a great time. But we had a, we had a great time at the Royal Plaza, and it just it was just and uh, so the next year i had gotten engaged to my my wife. Which I mean, if you're going to get engaged to somebody, that's that's the person you should get engaged to. And uh, I I said, well, you know, I'm gonna, I want to take you on a trip down here. I want you to go on the trip that, that my parents and I went on last year, and you know, because it was just such a magical trip. So I booked Royal Plaza, went and stayed there because again, that was what I could afford on property, and we just had another amazing weekend. So I'm hooked at this point. Uh, we're planning our wedding, and we actually scheduled our wedding date for December because at the time. That was one of the slowest times of year, shortly before Christmas, that you could go to Disney World. So we figured, all right, well, we'll just schedule it so that we can take the honeymoon at Disney World and be okay. And we did. We, ske- we scheduled the way it was. Two things. One, at Christmas, the churches already have a lot of really nice flowers. And right. since we're paying for our wedding ourselves entirely, uh, those little things made a difference. Oh, the church has already got Christmas flowers? Okay, no flowers. We're good. <laughs> and um, then, of course, because we knew that it wouldn't be crowded at Disney. I went to Disney on my honeymoon. I'll tell you this. I was working in radio. I hadn't been working in radio for a couple of years. And my boss at the time, we were doing this thing that's called a per-inquiry commercial. Do you know what that is? No. That's where somebody runs a commercial. They're selling a product. And they don't pay you for the commercial. They pay you a cut of what they sell. Uh Ah, okay. You really only schedule it when you don't have anything else to, to play in that commercial slot. And we were running a thing. You know, one of these... Three nights, four days in magical Orlando for $120 and come see us and all of that. And as a token of their gratitude, they sent a four day, three night stay in Orlando to our boss and said, Here, it's a complimentary stay, enjoy. And he gave it to me as a wedding present. And I said, Oh, okay, great, thank you. And I called them up and I said, Hey, I want to do this reservation. Let me, let me ask you this. Is there any hook to this? No. Is there any obligation? We've got to do something else because of it? Nope. Just come down and stay with us. Okay. Honeymoon. And I'm filling out the paperwork to, to register. And he says, now, you are aware that you have to attend a courteous 90-minute sales presentation in order to get validation for your room.
2: Dun-dun-dun. And I went,
1: oh, come on. I called and said, they said that what? thing well it's, It is the case. They told you wrong. And I'm like, what do you do? You know, we're a broke young couple who have just enough money to take a trip to Disney for our honeymoon. And uh, we got the opportunity to stay at this nice resort, but we have to go to a courteous. Thing. Well, it turned out the sales presentation was neither courteous nor 90 minutes. Uh, <laughs> two and a half hours of hard sell, obnoxious oh. jerkism. And it was it was very frustrating. And the guy's are going, well, you're down here, aren't you? Well, yes, we are. It was more a
2: claw hammer.
1: Yeah. We- <laughs> it was amazing because the guy was, we well, are down here, aren't you? Yes, we are. Well, why'd you come down here if you couldn't afford it? <laughs> I didn't come down here if I couldn't afford the place. We can afford this and that's about it. But uh yeah, the guy I mean, it was really uh, the guy was it was basically an assault on our self-esteem. Unfortunately, I had none to start with. So <laughs> there wasn't really he could, anything he could attack. So anyway, we finished that, did the thing, and and we were we were hooked and we tried to we went back the next summer. We, we and we were a struggling couple. We had nothing. We made no money. We had nothing and just every so often A little bit of money would come through and we'd be able to sneak a trip down. So September 99, and the reason why this is this drawn out, and I'm giving you this much detail. September 99, we decided to go down to see a show at Pleasure Island. It was a concert I really wanted to see. And Jadine, my wife, made it possible for me to be able to do so. And a little bit of money had come through at that time that she didn't know about. So I quietly booked a room at the Caribbean Beach Resort. We were actually going to stay on property at... A Disney resort, which the other times we'd been, we'd done Priceline for thirty four dollars at somewhere in Kissimmee. That you, you know, you lock the door and then put the chair in front of it just in case. And, uh, and that's
2: just the guard against the cockroaches.
1: Yeah, that's. just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put the table against the window for the other go- the, <laughs> the people that were going to come in, and uh, you know they, they still had the nineteen inch Sony Trinitrons <laughs> as the the ones that are locked to the console. You know, right. so you can't pick them up. And uh, so so I actually secretly booked a room at the Caribbean Beach Resort, and the two of us went down there and saw the show. And the second we walked into that room, we both looked at each other and said, we're never staying anywhere else again. When we come down here, we are always staying on property. From the check-in, the level of service they gave us at check-in, the presentation there, the lobby, then to the room and the amenities in the room, And just the the magical atmosphere that was around us at all times we're never, if we come down to Disney, we're not staying off property ever, ever, ever again and so from there it became regular visit, we got into a a better position within a couple of years and, and we were able to take regular trips down and we graduated from, started off at the All Stars, moving up to Moderates and finally we were staying at Deluxes and we toyed with the notion of buying DVC every time we were down there because it just seemed to make sense that we knew we were coming back and why not save some money. And really what drove us to it was a couple of things. One, they, had a, a, they lowered the amount that you had to buy to get in from 160 points to 100. And two was that the deluxes, which we'd gotten used to staying at, were really shooting up in price. And we were suddenly going to not be able to stay at deluxes if we didn't watch out. So we bought into DVC. At 100 points, the next year we added another 50, and we've been coming down there ever since because now we have the ability to go when we want, how we want, and do what we want. And plus, the DVC, not doing a sales pitch for DVC, but they give you, you get $140, $150 off your annual pass. And that's significant when you're talking about a family of of three or four, depending on who's living in the house at this point. So that's that's our Disney story. We love the place, and I love the place because... It is a place that immerses you in some other realm. You and I are both science fiction, and to a certain extent, you know there's a certain element of fantasy that we love. And going to Disney World is like going away from the rest of the world. They put you somewhere else, and they let you enjoy another world. You are somewhere that you have you have no real world with you. You don't have to have the real world with you. You can just go enjoy yourself someplace else and let your cares go some, go off to the side and they'll be waiting on you when you come back.
2: I like that story. I like that <laughs> a lot. Now, you actually came up with the name for this show and I mm-hmm. loved it. As soon as you proposed it to me, I was like, yes, that is it. Because I had been... I, you know, this is going to sound really stupid, but I, I swear this is the truth. I think one of the reasons that I've procrastinated so long on doing a Disney podcast in the first place, is I couldn't come up with a name that I liked. That was one of the the huge things, is I, I threw around so many names in my head. And as you and I were, were prepared to sit down and start doing this, I'd basically just settled on Disney Monthly Monday, or maybe Walt Disney World Monthly Monday, to kind of narrow our focus. Mm. And that was going to be it, because I, I just couldn't really come up with anything else that I really liked. The only other one that that i really liked was walt sent me but i think yeah. there's already a show by that name if i'm not mistaken i like the idea but it just didn't quite say what i wanted it to say and then you came up with earning my ears and and i'll let you tell the story on that one because I, I just i i liked it I, I what was your what was your reasoning behind that because the reasoning you gave me i thought was very appropriate
1: uh well I, the people who are training when you go to Disney World and you see people who are training, they always have a little red flag on their name tag Mm -hmm. that says earning my ears. And I... One of the things I was thinking about when I thought about this is we're learning about we're students of Disney. Yes, we're students of Disney World, and we're always exploring. And honestly, there are things every day that I go, really, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. As much as we've been studying it for as long as we have been, there's still every day there's something we learn about this place. And I thought, well, you know, we're always we're always earning our ear, and you're a cast member, so you know, there's a certain level of that too that you've been through, and you were a teacher. You help people earn their ears, mm-hmm. and so I just there just were a lot of levels where I thought earning my ears worked.
2: Absolutely, and, and that was one of the big reasons that, that I liked it. For you know the two reasons you cited is that you know I think you and I both I think classifying ourselves as students of Disney I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And uh, and as you said you know actually you know being one of the instructors there now uh, yeah I mean those those are the people that I'm dealing with. Uh, we we don't really necessarily call them students. We call them participants, but it's the same thing. You know that's what our mm-hmm. participants are are doing. You know they're just coming into the company uh, often, or maybe just coming into you know the particular line of business that I teach, and they will have those. You know anytime you switch a line of business, then you right back on with the red. You know it, it's usually red. Um, the little <laughs> red, yeah. and sometimes it's white. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the little wet ribbon that says earning my ears meaning essentially I'm you know being trained for this position so when you when you hit upon that I just thought that that's perfect that is so perfect that because that really kind of sums up my feelings personally on, on my Disney journey if you know what I mean
1: yeah um, I, think, I think in a sense all of us who really love and are invested in that place are always earning our ears
2: absolutely absolutely
1: Well, you know, as Stan Lee often says
2: about his own origin story, I've told this story so many times it may even be true. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this is as true as I I can remember the details. So again, go back to 1974. I'm six years old and my parents brought me to Walt Disney World uh, for my sixth birthday. Now, at the time, we lived in Tampa, so we weren't terribly far away. Tampa to Walt Disney World is probably, I don't know, two, two and a half hours, something like that. Uh, Dr. Bill Robinson could tell you better. He actually lives down in that area, but um, about that distance. So it wasn't terribly far away from us. I don't remember... What I really knew. See, you shock me at four years old. You have these very vivid memories. My memories of that trip are extremely disjointed. It, it, it's it's like glimpsed through a dream or a fog because it's it's just snapshots, you know, yeah, just,
1: see, just images. I'm I'm the bane of my family because I remember all of these little things, <laughs> and it means that I get to nurse all these little grudges too. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this, this was actually one that I nursed for a long time because we we came, and the one thing I, I know that I did know about Walt Disney World ahead of time was that this is where the Haunted Mansion was. And I was kind yes. of obsessive about the Haunted Mansion because someone had bought me yes. a book and record set. It was one of those little... You know, uh, I think it was put out by Disneyland Records or something like that, but it was one of those little kids, you know, flip through books, you know, when Tinkerbell makes this sound, turn the page kind of thing. Yeah. And it was this woman telling the story of the Haunted Mansion, and and you had a record that you would listen along with. Beautiful illustrations in there, very cartoony style, but it was also kind of creepy, you know? And I can remember both being fascinated with it and scared to death by it, because on the flip side of that record was an excerpt from, oh, what, what was the name of the LP? It was something like the, the creepy haunted sounds of the Haunted Mansion, something to that effect.
1: Uh, that's the one with uh, is the, is Kurt Russell in that? or o. No, 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 not that one. This is a different, this was oh, okay. just a sound effects Just record. a sound effects one, okay. Yeah, and
2: and like I say, the, the, the book and record that I'm talking about, like one side was the story of the Haunted Mansion that you followed along in the book, and then you mm-hmm. flipped it over, and the B side was an excerpt of the sound effects from that the the larger sound effects album, the mm. LP. And that sound effects side literally would give me nightmares. Because I can remember yeah. at one point, my mother actually took it away from me for a while because I kept having
1: nightmares.
2: And she <laughs> knew it was because I was listening to that record. But I was fascinated. I mean, come on, who doesn't like to be scared, you know? And now, so I, I liked that.
1: We had that record, and we would put it at Halloween. That was when yes. we would, on the turntable. Yep put the speakers in the windows and play it out over the neighborhood
2: yeah i was just going to say anybody that's that's probably right around our age would remember that record for that very yeah. reason people would play it how it's uh, uh, to my knowledge it may still be a, uh, a perennial halloween favorite because i know a lot of people did that
1: i'll tell you um, on generic generic because you know i deal with sound effect stuff a lot in my job a lot of generic sound effects cds and such have a lot of the sound effects from that album
2: mm-hmm. oh, it was it was a classic just a mm. classic one that was that was put out by Disneyland, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the album actually predates the opening of the original Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that, but I think it does. Interesting. But anyway, so I knew that this was where I was going to get my chance to actually go to the Haunted Mansion, right? Yeah. And, and we go, and I'm I'm so excited and everything, and same things you're talking about, things that I had forgotten like riding the monorail in and I remember um, seeing pictures not long ago Some, someone brought to work or something or I saw somewhere at Disney itself old old 70's pictures of the topiaries that used to be there because there used to be topiaries all along yep. the monorail beam between the uh, transportation and ticket center and the contemporary like yep. elephants at play and things like that and they've, they've been gone for a long time now I'd forgotten things like that But I can remember seeing those types of things and being, you know, really into the whole thing. But, of course, the big thing for me was the Haunted Mansion. So we went, and I can remember we did the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I do have pretty good memories of that. I remember doing, of course, the Speedway, whatever it was called back then. It was called something different. Today it's the Tomorrowland Speedway, but it was called something different back then. And different attractions. I remember Trip to the Moon and and, um, different ones like that. But, of course, the thing for me... Was Haunted Mansion. So, anyway, long story short, what's the one thing I didn't get to do? The Haunted
1: Mansion. Yeah, my old man is not about waiting in line oh, at all. Man, because let me tell you something. I didn't tell you this in the story. The Haunted Mansion was the thing that blew me away the most. Mm-hmm. And I remember for years, you know, those little embedded memories. Mm-hmm. I remembered I've been somewhere where I saw real ghosts dancing in front of me. <laughs> the ballroom. Completely stripped my brain's gears. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you didn't get to go that I first did, trip. I didn't get to see it.
2: No. Ah. Uh, my father absolutely refused to wait in that line. There is a picture in our family album—that big family album I was talking about—a picture of the queue line extending from you know from the doors all the way back to like Hall of Presidents. It was crazy. And he was just like, "I'm not waiting in that line. We live in Tampa. We'll come back another time." and so my lasting memory from well there's actually two and i'll get to the other one in a moment but my my biggest lasting memory was actually kind of crushing disappointment because i didn't get to do this i can remember basically being kind of drugged out of the park sobbing at the end of the night as you know the the other last you know one of the other lasting memories was of main street at night you know and and (laughs) and just all the lights i don't really remember the castle i kind of remember the parade but I really remembered the lights at night because I was really struck by that. How how beautiful everything was, all you know, how everything's outlined with basically like Christmas lights. Yes. And and I just was struck. That was an image that I, I held in my head for years. But ultimately, it, the the over the the pervading thought was just disappointment. I didn't get to do it. And my my dad kept trying to console me with Ah, you know, we live in Tampa. We live. Oh, we'll come. We'll come another day. We'll come another day. Well, of course, not long after that my parents got divorced. And I won't go into all that Uh. mess, but eventually we wound up living in upstate New York uh, within just a couple years after that. And I never got to come back. Just never came back. And of course, you know, uh, lived my life and grew up and things changed and Disney just kind of dropped out of my mind, you know? And for me, growing up, you know, in the 70s and, and into the 80s, I just was never a Disney kid. I mean, I I had that that brief fascination as that small child, and maybe that disappointing trip was was part of this. Mm. But in the era that we grew up, and of course, you know, Star Wars hit big in 77 and everything, and I was always more inclined to science fiction anyway, you know, superheroes and comics and science fiction. Disney, especially after after Star Wars hit, Disney was kind of the old guard, you know? It, it, It did these old... Dare I say, fuddy-duddy style movies intended for either children or old folks is kind of how you know I remember looking at it. And so, even brand-spanking new movies that they came out that were contemporary with things like Star Wars felt old to me. Like Pete's Dragon, I think, is pretty close to the same time that Star Wars came out. Felt like an yeah. old '50s Disney movie to me. Just wasn't interested. With a couple of exceptions, you know, Tron, of course, I was always a huge Tron fan, and the Black Hole, because I thought that that was one of the higher cuts of the Star Wars knockoffs, if you know what I mean. Oh, sure. But beyond those two, I don't remember ever latching on to anything Disney as a kid. Just wasn't really, my interest wasn't in my wheelhouse. So anyway, fast forward a good number of years, now it's 25 years later, it's 1999, and I'm married and uh, you know, we have a small child at this time. We had Scotty, our first son, and at the time he was our only child. Turning three years old, And my wife says I want to take Scotty, I want to go to Walt Disney World. And my reaction is, eh. And because to me, it just it, it held no really? fascination. It had it held no interest whatsoever. Really? So, yeah, and you know, a, a couple years before that, when, when my wife and I first got married, uh, my parents came down to visit us. Uh, we were living in Georgia at the time, uh, not far from Atlanta. And my parents came down to visit from upstate New York, and they hadn't been down south in a good number of years. And they were going to take us, this was intended to be like to celebrate our, our wedding and everything, and it was kind of a pseudo honeymoon. They were going to take us to Florida
1: now, now wait 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 wait. Now your parents. I thought your parents got divorced. So are they, they still speak?
2: They got back together. That's the weird. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, it's a, it's kind of a long weird story. But yeah, they they did get divorced, okay. and then uh, a couple years later, they actually remarried and got back together and everything. So they come down, and like I say, they were intending to take us both, my wife and I, to Florida. This is nine. This is ninety six. I've actually rewound my story a little bit. This is ninety six. And because of different things going on and, and different relatives that were coming to see us and all this, my wife couldn't go. But I, I went ahead and I went with my parents. And we went to a number of old places that we had lived in Florida. I hadn't been back to Florida in all those years. And so we went to Tampa and we did different things. And then one of the things that they wanted to do that was a total surprise to me, they wanted to go to Universal Studios, which is, was pretty brand new at the, at the time. I forget what year that studios opened up, but uh, you know, 90. Universal Studios was it ninety? Uh,
1: well, I know Studio uh, MGM. Yeah, M- at the time opened the, in eighty nine, and yeah. I think Universal opened right after. Right that.
2: after, yeah. So it probably was ninety, ninety one, something like that. So it was relatively brand new, and even you know, living where we were and being as detached from everything Florida as we were at the time, I remember knowing about it i remember knowing you know hearing about it maybe i'd seen like a tv special or something and just thinking that was a big deal and thinking yeah that'd be pretty cool so we went and we did universal and i was really blown away by it i thought it was really neat and i really enjoyed it so you know again go back to 99 my wife's proposing this idea let's take scotty let's go to florida I want to go to Universal again because I'd been there, and I thought it was awesome, and I kind of wanted to share that experience with her and everything. But no, 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 she was adamant. We're going to Disney. Scotty's turning three. It's kind of a rite of passage. I want to take him here. And I'll be honest with you, I fussed and complained and whined and moaned. the entire, I was a complete, kind of a jerk about it probably. I just had no interest because to me, and this kind of... T- This is where I'm going to get out of the story for just a moment and say, this to me is one of the points of why I want to do this show and why I specifically want to do it for the Two True Freaks audience. Now, I know that we have members of, of the Two True Freaks family, regular listeners and contributors that are Disney fans, that love Disney, that enjoy going to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, Disney Parks, But I know that we have a large portion, probably the majority portion, that either they don't know anything about it, or worse yet, maybe they don't care anything about it. One of the kind of, you know, in quotes I'm going to say this, mission statements of the show, is that in a lot of ways, this show is going to be almost intended for that audience. The the ones that I kind of want to win over and explain to you why I think it's cool, because I, you know, I am kind of a late bloomer. And again, I think this is where Earning My Ears is a great title for the show. As you can imagine, we end up coming to Walt Disney World and, you know, there's no spoiler here. I just fell in love with the place. Yeah. I, I just absolutely... It, it is not at all what I thought it... I just thought it was going to be just a bunch of dumb kid stuff. I really did. I thought it was going to be... You know, and, and this is I know almost blasphemous, but I didn't care anything about Mickey Mouse or, or Donald Duck. You know, the, the the cartoon world just you know, Disney wise just didn't really interest me. Cartoon wise, I was more, always more of a Warner Brothers kid. Hmm. So I had built up in my mind, as I think a lot of non Disney people do, this idea of what Disney was without knowing what it was. Just making assumptions that it was just It was just a park. It was just an amusement park about Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all these, you know, fluffy kitty movies from long ago, and not really understanding what it really is. And it was that discovery process that just, it really spoke to me on so many levels that are very difficult to put into words thankfully we lived close enough you know again living in the atlanta area that we were able to come fairly regularly and you know thanks to my my good friendship with uh with mark buttrick who i've known just literally as long as i've known my wife we all worked together we were all uh, teammates uh, at blockbuster video in georgia when i first moved down to georgia in 93 so we all knew each other very well and mark remains one of my best friends to this day and Mark has been a cast member since literally the day after Scotty was born. He left the morning after Scotty was born to become a cast member. And he's still a cast member today, you know, 18 years later. Wow. So my relationship with Mark actually really assisted us with being able to come to Disney pretty much whenever we wanted to because Mark would hook us up, you know. And uh, so we, we continued at that point, you know, we, we came about every year, year and a half And a fascination quickly turned into an addiction. To a point where, you know, you get to just a couple of years ago, I I had kind of invented a a disease of my own, (laughs) if you will, called post-Disney syndrome. Meaning, Mm -hmm. literally, that feeling you have when your Disney vacation is over, and for usually like the next couple of weeks, maybe even next couple of months, maybe even next couple of years, of huh, you know, you just want to go back. Yes. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And I got so tired of post-Disney syndrome that I just couldn't stand it anymore. And I just, I had to just come here. I had to just be part of it. And, uh, you know, again, long-time listeners to Two True, True Freaks know this whole story, so I, I, I'm I'm hesitant to go into, you know, I don't want to overdraw overdraw the whole thing, but there were extenuating circumstances and things happened. But ultimately, because of the place that that I was in my life and we were as a family in our lives, I really look at being able to, to come to Disney, to move to this area, to become a cast member... It was just, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was miraculous. And ultimately, I just think it was meant to be. I really do. And I've never felt more both a part of something, but also like destined to be a part of something as I do being at Disney. I just, I think Disney and I are are a wonderful fit and i like to tell this story because it just it i think it starts so oddly with somebody that just had no interest and had all these preconceptions many of them negative about what disney was to come and discover what it really is and what it means to people and what it means to me on a very deep level i think that's pretty neat and, and that's really what I wanted to share in, in my enthusiasm for this show. Like I said at the beginning, I'm just really excited about this because it's my opportunity to kind of you know over the course of, of you know however many episodes we end up going with this thing to kind of answer that question why Disney? because there's no one easy answer to that. It's many different answers. It means many different things. Probably the, the biggest thing, the first and foremost thing is that Walt Disney himself, Walt Disney the man, was so many things. He was so much more than I ever knew him to be before coming here. Because to me, Walt Disney was this... Uh, ex- you know, he was dead, of course, but he was this eccentric cartoon maker that somehow got into a th- in- into amusement parks. And again, I- I'm i specifically using the wrong term, amusement parks, because that's what I thought it would be. just It was just sure. another Six Flags type of thing. And it's exact. not... No. You get here and you discover that, no, it is not an amusement park. It's a theme park. It's the theme park. And there's a, a vast difference in the two. It is the removal of the real world from your experience. Mm-hmm. But also, the, the thing that really struck me that I did not know was Walt Disney futurist, Walt Disney optimist, Walt yes. Disney American. And there's a great quote at the beginning of the Carousel of Progress where Gene Shepard says,
1: You know, Walt loved the idea of progress, and he loved the American family. And he himself was probably as American as anyone could possibly be. And that means a lot
2: to me as a patriot. But it, it's the combination of those three. A guy with a foot in the, in the past, always looking toward the future. I, I think in the in the world we live in today there aren't enough optimistic futurists left. You look at the projections of the future, especially in the last, say, 30 to 40 years, and beyond some people like, say, Gene Roddenberry, there's really not anybody left that's telling us, you know what, we're good people, and we're going to be all right, and the future is going to be a beautiful, wonderful place. But Walt Disney gave us that message, and he believed it thoroughly. And Disney parks are one of the last places that you can go and still receive that message. And that means a lot to me. I think that that's important that people have a place where they can recapture the past and they can have these wonderful fond memories, but they can also look forward to you know, a, a bright and shining tomorrow. And I know that sounds maybe a little corny, but... That's kind of, I think that's really the thing. I think that's the thing that that drew me in and, and hooked me and made me discover this this deeper level that exists uh, at Walt Disney World. And and I'm just I'm thrilled to actually have an opportunity to be a part of all that. I think it's it's very very cool.
1: That's a great story. Great origin. Thank you.
2: One thing I, I did want to mention though is uh, you were talking about having experienced something on on that trip as a four-year-old that that stuck with you and then years later would bug you like where did i see that yeah i'm telling you man i i so identify with you because i had that exact same thing i can remember many times as a teenager pestering my parents about guys where where would we have ever been in my life where i had seen a log cabin on fire and they'd look at me like I was nuts. They were like, what? And my dad kept saying, it must have been some, because my dad was huge on westerns, and I am not a western fan. My, mm-hmm. But my dad would watch a lot of westerns, and like Sunday morning or whatever, he'd be wa- watching western movies. And he said, it must have been something we were watching you know, when you were little or something. I'm like, no, 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 this wasn't a movie, this wasn't a TV show. It was like, we were there. We were there at a real log cabin, and it was on fire. And they would just look at me like, and shake their heads, like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it was one of those persistent <laughs> nagging things my entire life that every once in a while that image would pop back into my head again and it would just make me nuts. Like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a kid born in 1968 and, and, and growing up post this, so I'd never lived out west. You know, I, I'd never dealt with Indians. You know, it's like, where in the world had I seen a log cabin on fire? And it would make me crazy. And I can remember on that very first trip, uh, you know, as an adult in in '99, coming here with my wife and Scotty, and we rode the Rivers of America. You know, the the ferry boat that that takes you around, the paddle wheel steamer that takes you around, uh, yep. Tom Sawyer Island. And we come around one of the bends in the river, and there's that log cabin on fire. <laughs> and I'm not too proud to admit that I bawled like a like a baby. I just had tears running down my face, and my wife looks at me, is like, "What is wrong with you?" And I said, you, 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 "You're going to think I'm nuts. You 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 know you won't understand." But I've had that image locked in my head since I was six years old, and no idea where it had come from. I had seen that before, and nobody believed me, kind of thing. And she just was, as she's wont to do, just kind of shakes her head and gives me that look, like, "Oh, you were such a dork." But. It was just so cool to to discover that, you know, hey, I'm not crazy. I had seen a log cabin on fire, and I'm really glad that that happened because it wasn't long after that that they turned the fire off. Yep. The log cabin's still there today, but they no longer set it on fire, which kind of breaks my heart, but at least it's still there and still standing.
1: Yep. Yep, not uh, on fire anymore. The story for that changed a few times. Uh, Did it? Yeah, I think I think at one point it was an Indian attack and then there right. was a moonshiner still exploded and then uh. it was
0: just
1: and it was an accidental fire, I guess maybe he left a cigarette on the bed or something, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I yes. yeah, I
2: didn't realize that I I always assumed it stayed one of the things I, I suspected maybe they turned the fire off was uh, was the whole Indian story, but I didn't realize that that had changed over time.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, that's uh, one of the things that that keeps me coming back and a lot of people ask me you're going down there again you know you we talked about this before we did the podcast one of the reasons we want to do this is to answer the question of why do you keep going back there Mm -hmm. you're going people you're going back there again haven't you done it already and to that to the adult people who uh ask me that i always say haven't you already had sex why do you need to do it again you've done it already haven't you I mean, it's, it's, some experiences are so amazing, they bear repeating, quite frankly. And there are other things that, that you can do. I mean, we, we spent in July, as you know, we were there for nine days. And I've been visiting now for almost 40 years. 50% of the things we did down there, we've never done before. And that, to me, that speaks volumes of why you keep coming back. Mm-hmm. But another thing for me, as I think you know, I am and have always been obsessed with story and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Ways to tell stories. It's why... You know, I'm a Star Wars nut, for those of you who don't know, and when it came time in the mid-90s, and again, we were broke, as I mentioned during my origin story, and it came time for me to choose, do I buy Star Wars toys and tchotchkes and trinkets, or do you know, what, I've got to cut back, what do I cut back on, and basically I said, well, I am keeping story. I'll buy books and comics and, you know, soundtrack, because the music is storytelling device to me. Uh, But ways of telling stories. And what is fascinating to me about Disney is everything on that property, there is a story. Everything that is there, there's a reason and a story reason for it. There's a story to it. And if you pay attention, you can figure the story out for yourself. Sometimes you need a little head start. Maybe you need a little nudge to say, well, this is this. And then you can kind of figure a lot of the rest of it out. But the simple fact is that to use these attractions and restaurants and resorts as... A vehicle for storytelling is absolutely fascinating to me
2: right nothing you know i know that the uh, you know the cast members and especially the imagineers are, are very fond of saying you know nothing is put there by happen you know just dumb luck or happenstance yeah everything that you see you know in all the venues that you name you know the parks the the resorts the restaurants everything is purposeful because mm-hmm. it all feeds into a story that's yeah. that's going on all around you. And I, I love that. Yep. You know, I'm very fond of saying in, in the classes that I teach, you know, I, I like to point out to people just how much stuff that there is to do. You know, when we touch on recreation as part of the class, you know, there is enough recreation at Walt Disney World that if you stayed on property and you never went to a theme park the entire time we can keep you entertained with recreation alone for two to three weeks. That's how much stuff there is to do. So yeah. These people that you and I talk to that have been like, oh, Disney, been there, done that. Well, have you really? Because I no. live here. I work here. And I haven't done everything. No. And that's not without trying, man, because I'm telling you, I'm a junkie. I'm in the parks all the time. And there are still things that, hey, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, anything from attractions to recreational experiences to restaurants, you know, you name it, because it's massive. There's just so much. And then when you start digging beneath the surface, and you know, I'll have entire trips that I take now. I'll spend an entire day in a park, not even riding any rides or doing any of the shows or attractions, just wandering and exploring the detail and the story. And that alone you know sometimes just one area of one park you can spend a day just doing yep. that type of, of deep level exploring so yep yeah these people that say i've yeah, been there done that well don't don't tell me that because i'm sorry but i tend not to believe you because i know i haven't done it all so likely you haven't done it all either
1: And you haven't done it all well or right, I promise you, if you're that blase about the trip, which means you probably stood in a lot of lines for a long time Mm -hmm. and didn't get to do a lot of the things that you thought you were going to do. So.
2: See, I think that's a lot of it. I think some people will, you know, they'll, they'll grab a park map, for example, mm-hmm. and they'll treat it like a checklist. Okay, well, we did every ride in this land, or we did every ride maybe in this entire park. That's it. I've done it all.
1: Yeah, let me ask you this. Okay, fine. You went to the studios today and you did Muppet Vision. Did you see the key to the hotel door? Mm-hmm. The one that's under the mat. I'll bet you didn't.
2: Exactly, and that's the that's the type of thing I'm talking about. And that is exactly it. Yeah. So much, so much detail, so much story going on there. It's it's, it's fascinating. Absolutely.
1: Yep.
2: Well, I'm sure that we are in in future episodes going to continue to explore this subject of why Disney, because you know, of course <laughs> is one of the one of the great mission statements of the show. I think. As I said before, we will have different segments of the show so another segment that we want to do and uh i'm not sure are we going to come up with a name for this segment or are we just going to stick with top three or how will how we'll develop this segment but essentially it's kind of a an icebreaker because not every episode is going to have a, a great big long introduction like this i promise <laughs> we wanted to get let you guys get to know us a little bit as disney fans before getting into the show proper so to speak we could call
1: it the tri-circle
2: I like that. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So the Disney geeks in the audience, they'll they'll get that reference too. I, I hope. If you don't, write in and let us know. We'd we'll be happy to explain. <laughs> so our tri circle for this time around, we were just gonna go, go with kind of a softball for this one. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna explore our three favorite attractions apiece. And I say three because, come on, you can't have just one. I can't yeah. ever narrow it down to just one. So. Again, I'll let you take the lead on this, sir. What are your three favorite attractions? I am very curious.
1: I Number one period paragraph has to be probably... You and I probably share a number one. Uh, it has to be the Haunted Mansion. The special effects may be simple by today's standards, but to any kid uh, going through that thing, it is stunning. The, the ballroom alone was an obsession for me for years. How do they do those ghosts? How do those ghosts show up? And they're right before me, and I know they're right in front of me. And I know it's a special effect, but I don't care. Uh, there were just there is just just so much detail. There's so many wonderful things about the Haunted Mansion. There's so much character to the Haunted Mansion, and yet it's so much fun. The Haunted Mansion, to me, is the greatest theme park attraction ever created. Period. Uh, so that's that's got to be number one. Star Tours is probably number two on the list because... It's probably the first attraction that made me tear up. And I say that because again, lifelong Star Wars, you know, not maybe understating the point on Star Wars, you know, with, with me. And that was that 93 trip that I told you I went on with my parents. Mm-hmm. And I got in line for Star Wars and I got in line at the Ewok Village. And I'm hearing the Ewoks going about their daily activity in the Ewok Village. And I make my way through and I see C-3PO standing right in front of me and he's talking and then i get on there and i am in the middle of star wars and that was huge and the original star tours is a tremendous attraction and revolutionary for its day if but you
2: don't mind my interjection yeah um when i was in the service in the air force in the late 80s or early 90s one of my very good friends that i have regrettably lost track of uh, after all these years his name was greg anstutz great guy And he was from the West Coast. He was from somewhere in California, not far from Anaheim. And I remember one year where uh, he went on leave for, I don't know, a week or a couple of weeks or something like that. And I remember being aware of a relationship between Disney and Lucas, but not really understanding the whole thing. And not really following it only because to me, Disneyland was a vague concept. You know, it's like, I'm never going to get out there. Kind of thing because I you know come on I lived in upstate New York. But I remember having an issue of Starlog magazine and you may know the one I'm talking about it had an orange cover on it and it was um, George Lucas, at least I think Lucas is on the cover but I know it has R2 and 3PO standing with a space suited and I think helmeted Mickey Mouse where they're basically sealing the deal for Star Tours and everything. I think it was to celebrate the opening of Star Tours in California if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, Greg was going on uh, on his leave and going back home to visit his folks and everything. And when he came back, he brought me a souvenir, which was a, a poster. I'm not sure the size of it. It's like a mini poster, maybe like 11 by 17 or something. Maybe a little bit bigger than that. And it was the, um, the attraction poster for... Remember how the original Star Tours... It only ever went to Endor, you know, the moon of Endor. Yeah, but... But it had... Setups for like other destinations, you know. So it's like it's supposed to be like essentially a space travel company. So there were other destination posters. Yep. And he brought me the poster for Cloud City, and I have it to this very day. And I remember getting it and thinking it was awesome because here was a piece of Star Wars swag I didn't have. It was this great poster. It's a beautiful image of Cloud City. But not really understanding beyond his descriptions exactly what is this thing. So I know exactly what you mean about the first time finally getting to ride it, and being like, "Oh my god!" You know, because I, I had kind of built it up in my mind. Like one day, if I ever get the chance, I'd like to do this Star Tours thing that I've heard about, and uh, you know, I had this poster and everything. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean.
1: Yeah, and I had the, uh, I had the, star- I had that same Starlog magazine, so I know exactly where of you speak. <laughs> And that had... I kept... It's an immersive Star Wars experience. Really? Wait a minute. What? And uh, the first time you get on it, it's just... uh, You're getting sucked up by a Star Destroyer and a tractor beam, and it's... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) It really... And and I will tell you, there's a couple of times I've gotten misty-eyed at at, uh, Disney World that I probably shouldn't have. That was one of them. The other was when they were first starting Jedi Academy. And nobody would heard of it, by the way, at that point. And... uh, Somebody came up to us and said, yeah, they're doing this. They hadn't even built the stage they've got now. They had a temporary stage up. And uh, we were at, uh, you know where we were at? We were at Sid Cahuengas Because uh, I always like to take the trivia quiz. Before right. every day it was about Frozen. And, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, that should have been our top three. Your top three favorite Frozen things they've done to Disney World.
2: Oh, don't get me started, man. <laughs> did you hear about uh, Did you hear about the Maelstrom?
1: Well, I heard the final official announcement, but they've been talking about it for a few months now. So. Yeah, but I
2: didn't, you know... See, that's the thing. These rumors... Exactly. But, you know, these rumors fly hot and heavy, especially down here. I'm privy yeah. to the, a, a lot of ones that don't even make the Internet. And so it had been out there, and I'd always kind of you know, laughed it off with a, yeah, whatever, until there's an official announcement, it ain't so. And I guess there was just an official announcement. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. I, I you know... I try to be very optimistic and look at it as, you know, Walt Disney himself said, Disneyland is not a museum, you know, yep, it's ever changing. Yep. It's always in a state of becoming. And I appreciate that, but there are certain things. It's just like when it goes still breaks your heart. And I, man, I'm so going to miss the maelstrom. I, love <laughs> I, know the
1: maelstrom. I know what you mean. Know what you mean. Um, but anyway, uh where was I on the Oh though no. so we were at Sid and okay. It's, this is it's what I do. It's we're at Sid and I'm answering the questions and, it, and it's for whatever reason they were doing Star Wars a lot that day. Oh, I know what it was. The parade had come by. The what is it? The Stars and Motor Cars parade. Oh, I missed that And they that. Yeah. and they had a Star Wars car. Yes. And we were, Oh, look, it's Star Wars, hey, great. And started taking pictures. And one of the cast members came by and said, Oh, you like star wars huh i said yeah we love it and they said well you know they've got jedi academy over there and back then it was you know now you sign up for it but back then it was they would choose kids randomly out of the audience right and so they said you know get there this is the next time it's going to be get there early and get up front and wave your hands and make a big deal so they they'll make sure they'll pick your kid said okay no problem and they picked him. And so we had never seen this before. Nobody really ever seen this. They were just, it was just kind of a soft opening thing at the time. And so Garrison gets to go on stage and Darth Vader comes out and my son is fighting a lightsaber battle against Darth Vader. <laughs> and I I mean, and my wife is looking over at me going, You're crying. <laughs> and I'm taking video and taking photos at the same time. I'm switching back and forth with the camera between still photography and, and video. And my wife just, You're crying you're crying i'm like yes yes i am shut up let me take pictures
2: Yep. you but. and you and i are i'm telling you man we are so in tune with this whole thing because i i'm i'm just a big kid when i go there and there's so many things that that'd be a great uh subject for the show sometimes things that make you cry even though you're a grown man at walt disney world because i'm telling you there's too many there are too many of them yeah. i can't get through we go on uh in illuminations without crying I, every really? single time every time it's one of the reasons i don't go to illuminations that much anymore because i just <laughs> I'm, I'm the one big dope standing there crying at the end of the show
1: <laughs> but uh anyway star tours is number two and number three i'm going to throw you for a loop here uh-oh the monorail as you board please move across your car to make room for everyone and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the automatic doors. They will be closing in a moment. Thank you. And I know it's not technically an attraction, it's more transportation, but when you're a kid and you're going there for the first time and you get in this train you've never seen anything like it, you're up in the air, you go through a building for crying out loud, and it's taking you, and you know, the first time you're going to the Magic Kingdom, it's taking you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And there's just something so magical about what the monorail brings you up to, and including, please stand clear of the doors. <laughs> Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Jack Wagner, the voice of Disneyland. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, it's just, uh, there, there's... It's, it's really the first glimpse you get of Disney World is that monorail mm-hmm. and that trip on the monorail. And so to me, it is one of my favorite things to do. And in fact, I remember taking a trip, a semi-spontaneous trip we took on a Columbus Day weekend uh, some years ago. We stayed at the Polynesian, and we got there at about, you know how I am. I, I drive there, and I drive we're three and a half hours or so away, and I drive early in the morning and get there early. We got there about 7 o'clock. And we checked in and surprise, surprise, our rooms were ready. So all the family went, good, we're going to go crash. And I couldn't, you know, I was there. And so I decided I would get up and ride the monorail a couple of loops around because I was at a monorail resort for crying out loud. And so that's what I did. I mean, I just sat and rode a couple of loops around the monorail. And then I realized that we accidentally left our passes at home. So when I came back, we had bought our first annual passes ever. But uh, the, the monorail is as much an attraction as anything else to me, and it's, it's much of an integral part of my visiting Disney World as anything. So that's my top three, <laughs> Autumn Mansion, Star Tours, and the monorail.
2: Um, I, uh, I'd need to ask him to see if it's still the same story, but I know that uh, for many, many years, and, and it could still be for all I know, my, my youngest son, Logan, Who, of my two sons, he's the one that is is most like me when it comes to Disney. He feeds my Disney addiction. I think he has one of his own. He's Hmm. very fascinated with how things work, technical aspects. So I think he's a a Disney technical junkie as far as the mechanics of things. But his favorite attraction um, when he was little, and and again, it could still be, I'd have to ask him, uh, was the monorail. He... Uh, was an avid pin collector collecting just monorail pins. He's got the official monorail poster, and I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about where it's driving, you know, you've got Cinderella's Castle in the background and it's coming out of the contemporary, Mm -hmm. and it says, you know, official transportation system, you know, or or whatever it says on it. He's got that giant poster in his room, so he's just crazy about the monorail, always has been.
1: Did he ever get a monorail pilot's license? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. good. Yeah, good.
2: They, they were lucky enough, both the kids, that uh, that they got to ride uh, several rides uh, in the cabs of monorails before they uh, they discontinued that. And I'm always afraid to say this because I always feel like it sounds like I'm trying to brag, which maybe I am just a little bit. But, you know, my <laughs> first role uh, when I got hired by the company was monorail pilot. And I'm telling you, it was such an amazing thing to find because I had no idea I applied and, and here's the funny thing with that is that uh, you know the, the person that most encouraged me to apply in the first place was my buddy Mark that I mentioned before Mark Buttrick and I, I just I used to say you know, one of the reasons I used to kind of laugh him off is I didn't think he was serious but also I used to tell him it's like what would I do and he's like well anything you want to do I was like I, I don't know what am I qualified to do at Walt Disney World you know I, I, I was selling myself short honestly mm-hmm. But at the same rate, I used to joke and say, but at the same rate, you know, I I would clean toilets to work at Walt Disney World. I just would, you know, just for that opportunity to get my foot in the door. And I used to say that all the time. And then when it came to actually getting the call back from Disney, you know, we want you to come in, we have a job offer for you. I was convinced, well, I'm going to be scrubbing toilets just because I joked about it so much. So when I go in there, Uh, you know, for the hiring, not knowing what it was that I had been hired for, you know, the job offer that was on the table, the only question the guy had was, uh, are you afraid of heights? And I said, not particularly, no. He goes, well, how do you feel about 75, you know, being 75 feet in the air? And all I could think of, the only thing that popped into my mind was being in a cherry picker. You know, like maybe like stringing lights on something, or you know, that's the only thing that occurred to me. I'm like, where in the world would I work at Walt Disney World and be 75 feet? I just couldn't think. And uh, and I said, yeah, that's fine, I guess, shouldn't bother me. And he goes, uh, he goes, all right. He goes, what do you feel? How do you feel about being a monorail pilot? And it was like somebody walking up to you and just going, how would you feel about being a millionaire right now? You know, it's like, Ser- you know, seriously, honestly, wow. You know, I was completely blown away. But of course, the very first thought that occurred to me is, "How cool is the old man going to seem now?" You know <laughs> that you know here it's his favorite thing. I mean, he as as a as a kid, as a small child, he would be perfectly content when we would come to Disney. We kept, you know, you're talking about taking a couple laps on the monorail. We would do that. Sometimes we, you know, he and I would just leave alone and go and jump on the monorail and just go for a few laps together. And I think he would have been perfectly content if, when that ride was over, I said, "Okay, let's get in the car, let's go home." I think he, that's it. The trip was made for him. He got to do the monorail, which was his thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget that. That's uh, that's an experience I'll never be able to put a price tag on. Was having that opportunity to actually drive the monorail because I can remember when uh, when the first pictures started to come out online. Of the Tronorail, rail, as it was unofficially dubbed, uh, you know when they had the wrap—the first time they ever put a wrap on one of the monorails—they wrapped Monorail Coral with a Tron Legacy wrap that was, you know, it was a head-to-toe blue wrap with uh, different-colored light cycles on either side of it, advertising Tron Legacy coming up. And I can remember the pictures coming out and being just heartbroken, like, "Huh? You know, I hope it lasts long enough that I get a chance to go down there and see it." on a future visit before it goes away little knowing what life had in store for me that a few months later I would be driving the thing. I mean, (laughs) it's just the way life works. You know, It's just, it it still seems very dreamlike to me. Like it didn't really happen, but it did. I have pictures. So, (laughs) but yeah, I I get you with the monorail. Most definitely. I I think it's incredible. Uh, My three real quick. Number one, Totally agree with you, man. The haunted mansion, <laughs> yes. definitely the haunted mansion is is you know it will always be my favorite. Uh, I, I'm just I'm fascinated with the thing. The Disney memory I cherish most would be actually getting a, a backstage tour. Gosh, is that two years ago already? It's actually a little, probably a little more than two years ago. I had the opportunity to do uh, what they call a backstage magic tour, where you actually get to go in and explore a ride or an attraction or whatever before opening and get like a guided tour through it and i got to do that with a haunted mansion and it's funny because the morning i was getting up and leaving for that was crazy early in the morning and i remember uh logan was up. i don't know if he was getting ready for school or what but this was really really early in the morning because i can't recall now exactly why he was up But I told him, I said, well, you know, I'm on my way. I'm going to go and and do this Haunted Mansion tour. And he kind of stopped me with a question that I really hadn't anticipated, which was, aren't you afraid it'll ruin it for you? (laughs) And I honestly, I hadn't stopped to think about that. And he put that kind of doubt in the back of my mind, like, oh, geez, you know, that that's that's a valid concern. Well, is this going to spoil it for me? Am I going to see something I'm never going to be able to unsee? And then it's ruined forever. So I was a little bit nervous about that. But I'll tell you, after having had, have done that and now having peeked behind the curtain and, and I know how things work and how they do it, all it really did for me was just make me that much more obsessive about it. I'm just that yeah. much more fascinated by it now because in a lot of ways, it is very simple. In a lot of ways, some of the most uh, convincing effects are rather primitive. -hmm. You know, if you had the time and the budget, there's really not anything in there that you couldn't do yourself, honestly.
1: Yeah, Pepper's just, ghost effects are very simple.
2: Yeah, I mean, Pepper's ghost was something that that it, it was just out there. I mean, Disney yeah. didn't invent that; he just oh. he found about it, uh, found out about it, and just decided, well, hey, it's out there; it's public domain. Let's use that and brought it in. And it's probably the most convincing effect in the entire ride, and it had existed for what, like a hundred years or, or better.
1: Yeah, when, it's when, old stage when, trick. Yeah, yeah,
2: and and it's a very simple effect, but incredibly effective, to where you know if you tell people and i i've actually heard uh, people you know joke around about this with you know i hate to say gullible people but people that could be easily convinced that they're holograms and a lot of people, you know, firmly believe that that you know why don't we have holograms in everyday life when Disney's had holograms for fifty years? Well, uh, no, they haven't because they're not holograms. It's actually a very simple trick of the eye, yep. But so incredibly convincing. It's just I love the Hollywood. Well, mansion. and as you
1: say though, I mean, it's knowing the trick only makes you appreciate it that much more. see. Yes. me. Um, and I, I think about Penn and Teller because I love magic. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons I was obsessed with the magic shop on Main Street. Uh, and Penn and Teller are these guys, you know. They, I mean, everybody knows them by now, but they, they'll do magic tricks and they'll tell you how they're going to do it. And it doesn't take away from the amazement of what they do. Uh, if you have a moment, sometime look up Penn and Teller cups and balls trick,
0: where mm-hmm.
1: they do the cups and the, you know, the shuffle the cups or in the right. end, show up. They do the cups and balls trick with clear cups. And <laughs> as they're doing it, they tell you exactly what they're doing and it's still amazing. Right. Uh, it knowing the secret sometimes can only give you more appreciation for it
2: absolutely and it and it definitely did in that case and you know you want to talk about you know being a big crybaby at at Disney you know i remember being part of that tour group and when we went into the ballroom i actually stood <laughs> at the very back of the tour group slightly removed from everybody else cuz i had to constantly keep wiping my eyes i was just <laughs> i was moved to actually be standing in the ballroom. That's just, you know, again, wow. it's one of those things you just can't put a price tag on, you know. Just, yeah. you know, how cool is that? Um, number two, uh, this is a very easy one for me as well, uh, would be Soren.
1: Soren to Tower, we are ready for takeoff.
2: I absolutely hmm. adore Soren. Uh, the soundtrack to that, I think, is one of the, the most moving pieces of music that you'll find anywhere. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith I, yeah Jerry Goldsmith and you know
1: funny Jerry Goldsmith but sounds more like James Horner to me really yeah because it's got that the the big French horn sound that I really associate more with the late 80s or mid 80s really James Horner stuff yeah
2: I could kind of see that I could kind of see that I, uh, I I really do I love the score to that and mm-hmm. uh, and I like the attraction I think the attraction is 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 uh, Deceptive in the way that it all flows together very seamlessly, but it's actually quite the engineering feat. You know yes. the way they put the whole thing together, and I, I'm endlessly impressed with you know just what an incredible experience Soren is.
1: And you uh, know the story of the mock-up, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the uh, the inventor, yep. That uh, well, it's it, basically long story short, it was in danger. The idea of Soren was in danger of being scrapped because they just couldn't figure out how it was going to work. So Yeah, they couldn't
1: make it high capacity enough to make it worth anybody's while.
2: Right. So one of the Imagineers on the on the project went, what was it, on vacation or yeah. something, went to his parents' house, dug out his old director set, and overnight built essentially what they ended up building full scale to make Soren work. Yeah, built out of an, an old director erector set. Yeah, I just think that's, <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. I, I now, think that's a great story.
1: Now, to say about Soren, though, come on, please clean the film. Please. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're shooting a new one, but please clean the... That's my biggest beef with Soren right now. I love the attraction. I love thinking that I'm about to get hit by seafoam in the feet. <laughs> uh, I love thinking I could kick some guy in a raft in the head as I'm passing by him. But <laughs> but the, there's sometimes it's a game of chasing the hairs around the film.
0: Mm-hmm and yeah, I just, that is true I think
1: that I think that attraction deserves more and better than that. And I don't understand how that happened because I remember watching a thing on Universal Spider-Man attraction which is which used to have a lot of film in it and I think it's all gone digital now. It is digital, yeah. Um, but they used to show the process by which they made sure their film stayed away from any contaminants. And I don't I don't know why they can't keep that film in store and away from contaminants.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I've been surprised for a long time that they haven't gone digital on that, and I'm not sure why that is. The only thing I can think, and this is just purely a guess, is that maybe it would require a downtime that's longer than they want to, to do a downtime because that is the highest-rated attraction on property. It, yes. As last I knew, it had a 95% approval rating, which is unparalleled by any other attraction on property. So, you know. So much so
1: that they're considering adding a third theater, as I understand it. Yeah,
2: I've heard that too. I mean, that's one of those ones that's been circling the drain for a while as far as the original incarnation. And those rumors uh, about it, you know, changing to something else have been going on a long, long time. It's starting to look like maybe those rumors are firming up. Yeah. I'm torn. I am so torn because, on the one hand, I would like to see it be different from. 'Cause essentially it's the same exact version from Disneyland, you know, it was yep. brought over uh, for Disneyland's fiftieth anniversary back in two thousand five. So it is exactly the same film, it's the same experience. Even the pre-show video is exactly the same. Yep. But the problem for me is the, the beyond the flying, beyond the visual, beyond all the, the effects of wind and smell and everything else that makes Soren Soren. The thing for me that is quintessentially Soren is Jerry Goldsmith's soundtrack. Well, of course, Jerry Goldsmith's Long Deceased. Yeah. He can't rescore it. So if they go and they make an entirely new film at its base, it's going to profoundly change that experience. And I'm just afraid that it just won't be the same. Now, that maybe that'll you know turn out to be a completely unfounded fear because, I mean, look what they did with Star Tours. That was one of my quintessential mm-hmm. favorites. And I think it's better than it's ever been. Yep. I'll always miss the original one, but I think it, it is, for the most part, an improvement. I generally do find most refurbishments to be an improvement on the original. Not all of them, but most of them. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I, I want to have faith. I want to believe that whatever they come up with, I'll like as much, if not more. But still, that fear remains because I'm telling you, man, I just I love that soundtrack. I, I just. I really, really do. I think it so works with that. And uh, if you ever get the chance, uh, one of the the, uh, tracks that I have in my own collection, I'm not even sure where I've gotten it from, but I actually have the soundtrack from the attraction. What I mean by that is not just the score, which you can find on several different official albums. I actually have a track. Again, I can't remember where I got it from, but it is the soundtrack to the film and what I mean by that is it's everything's in it, it has the the, uh, the score, the sound effects the voices, everything if you ever get a chance to track that down, uh, listen to it but also crank it up to where you can really hear what's being said, it's actually really amusing because you, when you're on the actual attraction it's generally hard to, to distinctly hear what everyone is saying, the little conversation, especially like in the scene where you're whipping down the river, and there's folks that are in the rafts, and you've got the guy that's fly fishing and all. There's little snippets of conversation as you're, you know, flying down through there. You really, it's really hard to hear it when you're actually on the attraction. But again, if you ever get a chance to listen to it isolated, it's really, it's really cool. I like it a lot. Huh. The guy that wipes out when they're skiing, you know, there's all those <laughs> skiers that go off the cliff, and then there's the one guy that goes.
1: I can't hear that. that. Oh, have you heard it on the attraction? Yeah, but just this past July. (laughs) And because we rode Soren probably three times this July.
2: Love that ride. Yeah. That was my number two. Number three, and see, I I could go on all day with like honorable mentions and stuff, (laughs) and I won't.
1: I know. It was hard to
2: narrow it down to three. But number three, this is a strange one only because, here's the thing, it has to make my all-time favorites list, but... I just did it recently for my first time in probably three or four years. So this is not like a perennial. This is not like every time I go to the parks I have to ride this. It, it's not because I I couldn't go do it all the time. But it's it's on my favorites list because it, it's just it's such an important piece of Disney history. It's it's personally touched by the hand of Walt. It, it means so much. I think in so many ways it, it's one of those rides. That just kind of encapsulates all in one attraction, kind of what Disney himself was all about, and that's the Carousel of Progress. Huh. I absolutely adore the Carousel of Progress in all of its incarnations because it's it's gone through several different incarnations over time. Yeah, at least um, at least four. Yeah, yeah, and, and the current one I, I really like. It, it catches a lot of flack from people because the final show scene. Even though it's supposed to be vaguely, you know, the future in quotes, mm-hmm. it's even that is now badly dated with some of the references to like laserdiscs and things like that. They're, they're uh, coming, but I, <laughs> but I absolutely adore that one. I really do because I like that for one. It's narrated by Gene Shepherd. Uh, okay. For those that may not know, Gene, Gene Shepherd was a humorist probably best remembered these days as both the author of the book that the movie was based on but then also the narrator of the movie um a cri- uh, not a christmas, christmas story christmas story, no, christmas christmas story. story. thank story. you christmas yeah. story yes yeah he wrote that the book that it was based on which was in god we trust all others pay cash i think was the name of it
1: that's exactly the name of it yes
2: and he narrates uh the movie and he's also if you're familiar with the movie there's a point where Ralphie goes to see Santa Claus and he goes to get in line and this guy goes young man young man hey kid the line ends here it starts back there and he points and there's a mile long line that guy is Gene Shepard Mm -hmm. Uh, so he actually has a cameo in the movie
1: and Gene Shepard was a radio guy too that would just do these just big wild sprawling stories that were just stunning I mean he was he was an amazing you know as a guy in radio he was an amazing radio personality
0: Mm mm-hmm
2: and, uh, and I, I think he was great. And, uh, of course, he's now deceased as well. So, yep. you know, there again, if they refurb the attraction, you're going to lose that. And I have a theory that we tend, as Disney fans, that we tend to kind of hold on to, you know, our favorite version of an attraction generally tends to be the one that we that existed when we first discovered the ride. As an, What I mean by that is, as an example... My favorite version of Spaceship Earth will probably always be the Jeremy Irons version because that was the version I discovered first. You know, when when I first rode Spaceship Earth, that was the one. So it's the same thing with Carousel of Progress. I've never personally ridden any other version but the one with Gene Shepard. So that's probably always going to be my favorite one. Although you know, there's been again several different incarnations, but I, I just I really love that attraction. I, I like everything that it represents and you know the the progression that it goes through and just that it's it's a very important and still living piece of disney history i again that's another one of those ones i could talk all day about but i would love to do uh some future episode of this show do like a, a serious examination of both carousel of progress and you know just the the 64 65 world's fair in general That's uh, one of those subjects that just continues to to fascinate me, and Disney was such a big part of the history of that that World's Fair and everything. But, yeah, that's my three. That was rather longer than I intended it to be. Sorry about that. (laughs)
1: That's okay. Mine was long, too. So people will just have to deal with the fact that sometimes we start talking about our passion and we get carried away by our passion.
2: Oh, I think that's what this show is going to be all about.
1: (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. A long time ago, in a galaxy far,
0: far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no. what
1: will we do now? Artoo, did you to oh, too deep to found a cigarette? Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Don't be so ridiculous, R2. Under rules are for Earthlings. All you need is a little rewiring. But children need to be fully immunized one by Show me what you got. Wampa, wampa, We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Growing up Star Wars.
0: Yay!
2: Available the first Monday of every month at 2TrueFreaks.com.
1: Offer expires May 31st, 1980. Welcome back to earning my ears. Now this is our segment where we're going to talk about Disney geekdom. This really is the core idea that Scott had when he pitched it to me that, Hey, let's do a Disney podcast. This is what I'm thinking. And, uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about what we're going to do here.
2: The idea came from several different places. Probably the biggest one, honestly, was your podcast, your original podcast, Dinner for Geeks. And you and I had long discussed this idea of wanting to talk more Disney, wanting to do an actual Disney podcast. And I've been looking for that hook, you know, that that thing that would be unique to us, that would make us stand out from you know other Disney podcasts and things like that. And I came across this idea of... You know, one of the things I love to do when I go to the parks now or, or anywhere on property, really, is of course, you know, look for the details and look for the hidden things. And some time ago, one of the little quests that I set for myself was to try to have like an authoritative list of all of the comic books that are referenced all around Disney property. And as I started to to do this project, it hit me just how many of them there really are all over property. You wouldn't think so. Mm. But you explore, you know, far and wide enough, you actually find quite a few of
1: them. Yeah, you shocked me with this when you started posting photos of them.
2: Right. And so that was kind of the idea that I hit upon was you know, again, as I said before the break, you know, at the very beginning of the show, one of the the real purposes for me with this show is to hopefully try to draw in some of our, our regular listener base that may not be necessarily on board with Disney. You know, looking at Disney for whatever reason and just not going, eh, Disney, whatever. And trying to draw them in a little bit. Like, what might we actually have in common that might interest them in Disney? So I, I hit upon this idea, kind of, you know, again, borrowing a page from Dinner for Geeks, I hit on this idea of Walt Disney World for fill-in-the-blank geeks. And Mm -hmm. so each episode would be a different fandom that we already have as part of the Two True Freaks group you know, with our friends and and colleagues and everything and explore a different facet of fandom but in a Walt Disney World context. Like where, if you were, say, a... Well, the one that we're going to explore this time is Marvel Comics. So if you're Mm -hmm. a Marvel Comics geek... What is there at Walt Disney World for you? So, th- you know. Yes. That's, yeah. That's the uh, that's the whole theme this time. Walt Disney World for the Marvel Comics geek.
1: And the interesting thing is, a lot of Marvel Comics geeks going to Orlando think, well, all the Marvel stuff is at Universal Studios because they've got Islands of Adventure and the Marvel Superhero Island there, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they would be wrong. Very wrong. Absolutely. There's a lot of Marvel at Walt Disney World. Now, Walt Disney World cannot technically have the core avenger style characters in the parks, but there are places where you can see Marvel both in the parks, surprisingly enough, and outside the parks.
2: Absolutely, and uh, I think that that is only going to grow and expand over time. I mean, at the end of the day... Disney owns Marvel Comics now, so it yep. is their property. And as you say, while they're not fully allowed yet to incorporate all of those characters, so for example, you know, we, we don't have, say, walk around Spider Man characters or, or any of the Marvel characters quite yet due to contractual reasons, because, you know, essentially at the time that Disney bought Marvel, the Universal Studios Islands of Adventure already had Marvel you know, in their parks and it's still there now.
1: Yeah, we wonder... have to remember that Marvel Comics back in the day when they were just Marvel Comics and they were emerging out of their bankruptcy of the 90s this deal with Universal was just a windfall for them. So they, they had no aspirations to do a theme park of their own. Here's Universal offering them a bucket of money every year and they signed an agreement with them that any theme park attractions in east of the Mississippi in perpetuity would belong to Universal.
2: Right. So I think that that's you know currently that's the stumbling block you know however you want to want to say it. But that you know that's not going to last forever. Uh, eventually, somehow or other, they will figure out a way to get their characters into the parks. They didn't pay all that money for that and you know let's face it it's a super hot property right now worth that much more than it was when they bought it they you know they didn't go through all that to not be able to fully utilize you know that franchise and those characters and everything so i won't profess to know all the ins and outs of everything with the deal and and where they might be thinking down the road but i'm sure that something's coming with all of that so i, I think it's I agree very with exciting you.
1: I agree with you, and I think a couple of things you need to look at with Disney is when they bought Marvel, Marvel had already contracted with and was in production with as a uh, partner, Paramount, on Iron Man 3, a mm-hmm. you know, distribution partner, because Marvel had the studio, but they didn't have any distribution mechanism. Uh, they had Paramount as their primary partner for most of their pictures, and they had already started Iron Man 3 and started pre-production on Avengers with a deal through Paramount. Disney went in and bought Paramount out of both of those pictures They didn't have to They wanted to right. They bought Lucasfilm but they did not buy The future distribution rights to Indiana Jones Films from again Paramount And they went and paid Paramount money To make that deal which was also I believe An perpetuity deal go away as well mm-hmm. So you're seeing them going out and going out of their way and spending some money to own, lock, stock, and barrel some of these characters. I think Marvel becomes a little less important to Universal right now because Harry Potter is such gangbusters for them. It's it's not as prevalent an attraction for them right now. However, obviously, I would think as a guy at Universal... If I were in charge of the park, so I'm Steven Spielberg, creative consultant or whatever, I would want to hold on to them as long as possible to keep it out of Disney's hands.
2: Right. I think but that at the moment, that's all they're doing because they don't—they yeah. don't, they don't do not. anything with it. They're not. Yeah. It hasn't changed really at all, other than the face characters have updated their costumes to be movie style. But beyond that,
1: yep. And they, they did a, give a facelift to Spider-Man.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that is true.
1: But that's it. And, and it, I mean, it wasn't a significant facelift. They just redid the film.
2: Right. So my guess and again purely a guess, purely speculation, I I have nothing, you know, to base this on, but my guess is that eventually what'll happen is, you know, Disney will find a way to you know, they'll probably end up doing some sort of a buy off, I would imagine. Basically just packing up a giant truck full of cash and going, Here you go, can we have our characters back down? That's essentially what will probably end up happening. Um, what's strange to me is it doesn't seem like they're in any, any hurry for that, which does seem a little bit odd. But I- I'm, I'm convinced that it's coming, and, and one of the things that convinces me is Guardians, which you know we'll talk about in a moment, because it has a, a presence in a specific park at the moment. But also, if you notice, you know, along with not doing anything new with Marvel at Islands of Adventure, Universal is simultaneously beefing up everywhere else in its parks both Islands of Adventure and the classic park and I think that a lot of that is in preparation for when they no longer have Marvel because I could be dead wrong about this but maybe I'm projecting because I know this applies to me but for me for the longest time my the thing that drew me to Universal was the Marvel presence I mean that remains my favorite land uh, or area, whatever they call their, you know, their sections in their parks. That's the thing that drew me to those parks, and and, and that's why I mm-hmm. favor Islands of Adventure. But they're slowly beefing up. You know, they they've got Harry Potter now in, you know, t- both of the parks, and, you know, huge presence there. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of new things coming down the pike. Uh, they added uh, Transformers not long ago. Um, Simpsons got a major overhaul and really got beefed up to where it's an actual like land now. And there's so many more things coming along in the future. So they've really been adding things like crazy over there to beef up their draw. And mm-hmm. I suspect that a lot of that is so that you know it won't be such a, a, a painful sting eventually when Marvel does go away. I'm very curious as to what might come in to fill that in and... I think what what could really potentially work very well for them if they could finagle the deal would be to just go and switch you know switch companies and go with d c if they could get you know that deal cut but
1: well, I know Six Flags has to deal with d c yeah. due to some previous uh corporate parentage right. And I don't know if that, how long that's in effect and how easy that would be to revoke that since Six Flags is no longer part of Time Warner. Right. Uh, that, would, that would be easy for them, though, you're right. And especially some of, those, some of those rides could just be quickly. I mean, Spider-Man could very quickly become a Batman ride mm-hmm. if you just change the film out and change some of the special effects, change the narration. Mm-hmm. The, I, I will tell you how I think it's going to roll out because I don't think Universal's going to just take money for the buyout because, again, it's something that they can hold away from Marvel. They can play keep away. As long as possible, I think what will happen is Marvel will do something to try to catch them in a breach, and then wind up suing them for those characters back.
2: Hmm. Very possible. That's what I think will happen. Very possible as well. Well, I'm not sure how you wanted to approach this section, but kind of the idea I had was just basically doing a uh, a rundown, kind of area by area at Walt Disney World of where you can, you know, find Marvel presence. No, I think um, that's great. And uh, just want to mention, you know, while this show is, uh, of course, Walt Disney World centric, I think it, it bears noting that in regards to Marvel, we're going to be seeing a worldwide Marvel presence in Disney theme parks. It's already begun in California, Disneyland, uh, in their Tomorrowland section, the old Carousel Theater that has housed uh, interventions for uh, quite a number of years. Has pretty much become Marvel Land. I mean, it's it's just become a giant Marvel meet and greet. They've uh, they had the Iron Man, the Hall of Armors there, um, mm. Thor, and uh, and Captain America, and there may even be another one I'm forgetting off the top of my head.
1: There've been uh, rumors. There've been rumors of a of a Tomorrowland facelift at Disneyland in Anaheim uh, to make it basically Tomorrowland into Stark Expo.
2: That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if really we awesome. ever see it.
2: Right. Well, I mean, they did sort of a minor. I mean, I don't think it amounted to anything more than the Hall of Armor and some banners that were that went up. You know, the retro banners, very reminiscent. I thought of the old, um, the old uh, Carousel of Progress, you know, Progress Land, and, and that the banners that they had back when Carousel of Progress originated at the New York World's Fair. Mm. I remember seeing some pictures. When Iron Man came to interventions at Disneyland, because that was the first Marvel character in a Disney park ever, and they made a big deal out of it when they rolled that out. And I remember seeing those banners where they they made. I, I don't, but of course, I've never been to Disneyland. I haven't seen current pictures of the outsides. So I don't know if they're still going with the Stark Expo theme, but I know they were. You know, they were at least they had some banners up for a time. But that would be neat. I think that'd be a great idea to take that entire land. And turn it into, you know, basically Marvel Land with a with a Stark Expo overlay. I think that would be incredible, because Disney has long had uh, a difficult time with Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland's the most, you know, the most yep. difficult, the most challenging of all the lands in the classic Magic Kingdom style parks, because you have to constantly be looking ahead and, and bringing the future to the present and that's really hard because every couple of years you know you've caught up
1: and yeah I'm, so it becomes
2: my, this constant shifting scale of well, all right now we're going to have to get something new because what was fanciful <laughs> future five years ago is here now and yeah yeah
1: my understanding is when uh, Tomorrowland was first concocted it was supposed to be 1986 yes according to the storyline there yeah and uh, obviously we blew past 1986 and nothing was right and then of course in the early 90s here at uh, Magic Kingdom they tried the the Tomorrow That Never Was revamp mm-hmm. which they never really finished and which wasn't entirely creatively successful Right. and uh, so yeah they struggle, they've always struggled with Tomorrowland yeah. and the question is what do you do next I will also say this, if the day comes and I believe it will like you do I believe it will that uh, they are able to put Marvel characters in Disney parks in Florida. I think what you'll see is rather than take it to Tomorrowland, which I think probably will happen in Anaheim, I think they'll take Future World at Epcot and make it into Stark Expo. That
2: would be because Stark cool. Expo
1: is yeah Stark Expo is nothing if not the World's Fair. Yeah, and that's essentially what Epcot is, as we talked about earlier.
2: I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I know many people have. Uh have thought Hollywood Studios just... And I think a lot of that comes out of the fact that, of course, where the Marvel presence is right now in Orlando is Universal Studios in a park that is very, very similar to uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. I don't don't see that. I don't think that that would happen because... As much as I would love it to happen, I don't think Star Wars is going to get a fifth gate. I don't, And what I nope. mean by that is I don't think Star Wars is going to get its own park, much as I nope. would love to see that happen. I would love to see not so much a Star Wars uh, theme park as a Lucasfilm theme park and incorporating Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and maybe whatever else you want to pull into it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen for a number of different reasons. So what I think is going to happen is that Hollywood Studios is going to get a massive refurbishment, really drawing in Star Wars very heavily. So that being the case, I don't think that they're going to want to put Star Wars and Marvel in the same park when Marvel now fully rolls out. Now, saying that, at the same rate, right now, one of the, the... Bigger presences of Marvel in the in the Disney, you know, in the Walt Disney World parks. That's really thrilling me. Is Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. It, it's arguably the biggest Marvel presence at Walt Disney World at the moment. Um, the old Sounds Dangerous Theater is being used for, uh, or no, is that the Sound Dangerous Theater? Is yeah, it, that is, yeah, it is. That okay, okay. yeah, I want to make yeah. sure I was right on that. Or the um, Monster Mystery Monst- Sounds Theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, you know it's currently being used. This started um, well, this was a couple of months ago. I let me think. Oh, it was that uh, it was on uh, Independence Day? It was July 4th. Uh, they opened it up for a preview for Guardians of the Galaxy, and the preview runs about oh, I think about 12 minutes, and it's essentially the opening of the film. It's it's Peter landing on the planet and getting the ball and the big chase scene and all that. And then a few other snippets, uh, most things that we've seen from the different trailers that were out there in real 3D and everything was very exciting. Really got me pumped up for the movie even that much more than I was. And that remains. That is still there now, even with the movie having been out for several weeks. And then recently there was the Villains event. Uh, this was, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. By the time you guys are hearing this, this is ancient history. This would be like six weeks ago <laughs> by the time you hear this episode. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a Villains' Event. It was a special hard-ticketed event at Hollywood Studios. And during that event, a couple of the meet-and-greet face characters that they had were Star-Lord and Gamora. In In the parks in the parks. And I, oh, I wanted to go so bad. I really wish I had made it to that because I'm thrilled. I mean, that is the first official Marvel characters in Walt Disney World parks. And I'm just, I'm super jazzed about that. I think that that's exciting. And, you know, I shared with you when, uh, when you were down here last, you know, we, we got a chance to hang out for a bit. I shared with you my pet theory that, ever since I heard that Guardians was coming as a film, and I believe it was Shag Matthews that told me this quite some time ago, and I remember him telling me about it and everything, and I remember thinking, wow, you know,
1: Why why Guardians?
2: Why Guardians? Because at that time, of course, I was thinking classic Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, with Yondu and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't even remember all the characters' names. You know, I was never enamored of those guys. They just never really worked, and they never really interested me. So that's, of course, who I'm thinking of, not thinking of the more modern-day characters. And even when I started to learn something about you know, the, the characters as they actually would eventually appear in the film, I'm just looking at them and going, why these guys? How How did you go from... Recognizable ones like Iron Man and Captain America and Thor and the Hulk and suddenly Guardians of the Galaxy. It just seemed like there were an infinite number of other characters that should be getting a movie first, far before Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, my yeah. and then once I saw the you know, that theater, at the studios done over with, you know, the the Guardians you know, display and the, and the preview and all that, it suddenly clicked with me. They can have this one. Meaning, Guardians has no representation in Universal Studios' Islands of Adventure huh. theme park. It's yeah. just one of those properties that somehow fell through the cracks. And it's I, not covered under the agreement. Exactly. And I, I did this, uh, this was so, probably a, a month or two ago, I spent an entire afternoon in the Marvel Superhero Island exploring every nook and cranny, trying to find some reference to the Guardians. And the the closest I got is that in one of the gift shops, it's the gift shop that has the giant Wolverine out front, Mm -hmm. there are some pictures up on the wall in there, one of which is Thanos. But beyond that, I couldn't find anything from Guardians. So, I mean, Star Lord, all, you know, the five major characters, none of them are referenced there. So, again, this is just my pet theory. I'm just thinking that they latched onto this one because it was a property that fell through the cracks. It was not part of the deal over there, so they can use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, And I think that's brilliant. And because of the success of that movie and how well it's done, That gives me hope that maybe they'll continue to kind of exploit, and I hate to use the word exploit, but maybe they'll continue to exploit those those cracks and those holes, and we will continue to gain that much more Marvel in the parks until eventually, you know, we'll have everything. You'll have Spider Man and all the guys in there. But that, you know, who knows? That could be a while. Uh, Frankly, I'm surprised that it's been, what, I think five years now? Since, uh, uh. Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, yes. in five years, I, I figured by, you know, when this first happened, I figured within five years, yeah, it, you know, it'll be fully incorporated. And five years is coming and gone, and it's not yet. So, makes me a little nervous. I, I hope it doesn't take too much longer because I tend to be an impatient person, but it it is <laughs> coming eventually. It will definitely come eventually.
1: I agree. I agree.
2: But, um, but anyway, I promised a kind of a land by land, uh, rundown here, so. You, uh, you stop me if you think of anything I may have missed, because this is pretty much off the top of my head. To the best of my knowledge, and believe me, I have really racked my brains for this, I can't think of any Marvel presence in the Magic Kingdom. With the sole exception of, and this is kind of a cheat, of the monorails. Because Which- there have been two themed Marvel-themed Monorails. What I mean by that is that they got the wrap treatment. You know, we talked before about yep. the Tronorail. There were two uh, trains, the uh, monorail trains, that were wrapped, uh, you know, head to toe with Marvel themes. One of them, the the one that just thrilled me to no end, was the Avengers. And this yep. was, you know, pre-release of the Avengers. It was made, basically done as a, as a marketing tool. You know, if you guys listening have ever seen one of those city buses where they wrap it with you know some advertisement for you know whatever subway or something like that. That's what I'm talking about. This was taking a a full-length monorail, wrapping it head-to-toe with basically a a giant advertisement, like a giant billboard for the Avengers, and it had all of the characters on it. It was beautiful, and it was black, so it was very sleek, very cool-looking. And that was out on the the line for quite a while. And then they also had another one that uh, was Iron Man 3. And yep. that one was very, very cool as well. And it had that one was a little bit weird because it had actually had two Iron Man on it. So at the front, at the at the nose of it, and most of the time when the you know going the direction that the train was facing, you know, because the you know the monorail course has two noses on it. Most mm-hmm. of the time, the one that was heading the direction the train was actually driving was Iron Man in the uh, extremist armor from Iron Man Three. At the back nose, and this is the one that looked a little funny. You had War Machine, and he was actually flying the other direction. So as the train would actually move, it looked like he was flying backwards, which looked a little bit funny. But it was a great—I <laughs> mean, it really looked very nice. It was the classic Iron Man colors, you know, the the red and the gold. Beautiful uh, trains, and I, the reason I put them in Magic Kingdom was because they could only operate. On the Magic Kingdom loop, they were not allowed to operate on the Epcot loop, and the reason for that is, again, uh, Disney cannot have the presence of Marvel characters, or particular ones, uh, in their theme parks. So, the, and the Magic
1: Epcot monorail, the
2: Epcot monorail, actually circles as you approach and go into Epcot to stop at the um, uh, Epcot monorail station the Epcot line from Magic Kingdom actually does enter the park, circles behind Spaceship Earth, and then stops at the Epcot monorail station. So technically, it does travel through the park. It travels through the uh, first half of Future World. And so for that reason, those wrapped trains could never operate on the Epcot line, but they were free to operate on both the express and resort lines of the Magic Kingdom loop, which uh, was pretty cool, and they they ran for quite a while. I want to say each one ran about a year, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. More that sounds or less. about right. Yeah, because they actually, if you recall, updated the Avengers one with the Blu-ray and DVD date.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they did something similar with uh, with the Tron one as well. I don't know if they did that with Iron Man. I do not remember.
1: I bet I bet they did, but I couldn't say for sure. But I, I think yeah, know. I think that's all you'll get out of the Magic Kingdom, and you obviously are not going to get much out of Epcot. So let's go to Animal Kingdom. Actually, this I, new- I
2: had two quick ones for Epcot, okay. and you feel free to laugh because these are you know these are kind of a stretch. But um, at the Imagination Pavilion, you know the the giant glass pyramids where you know we, you have the uh, Journey into Imagination with Figment mm-hmm. in the gift shop they actually do sell the new Figment comic that's come out. So Which is Marvel, yeah. It is Marvel. So, I mean, I, I know it's a stretch, but there you go. And uh, and the only reason I know that is somebody came to work, uh, a friend of mine came to work one day, and she had issue one. And I was like, ooh, where did you get that? And she told me, hey, you know, they actually have them over at the, uh, at the gift shop over in Epcot, and hey, we get our discount on them. So I raced over there, and they were all sold out. But they are selling it there. I've, I've seen it there with my own eyes. And also, every once in a while, you will find, or at least you used to. I haven't seen this happen in quite a while, so I'm not sure if maybe you know, there was some lawyering going on, if you know what I mean. But uh, uh-huh. when Thor, the first Thor movie, came out, uh, there was a heavy Thor presence in the gift shop of the Norway Pavilion at Epcot as well. Uh-huh. And it came and went very quickly. But, uh, but it was there for a time. I got some pictures of that. And I remember for a time, there was a lot of talk about Thor actually coming to the attraction, which, of course, never happened, sadly. Yeah. But uh, I would still love for that to happen at some point. But, yeah, that's all I could think of. off the. Because t- I was racking well, my brains for, like, gift shops and such. And I can't think of <laughs> any other gift shop I ever saw. Because um, I, I was thinking, did I ever see Captain America... Stuff at the American Adventure, and I can't think that I ever did. Not that I can remember, which surprises me. You would think that that would be a natural fit, but I can't think of anything.
1: I will be willing to bet, if they haven't already collected Seekers of the Weird, they will be selling that in Liberty Square if they aren't already. You know, they're redoing Yankee Traders right right next to the Haunted Mansion into a Haunted Mansion-themed gift shop. And since this is based on original concept art for the Haunted Mansion, I would be very willing to bet that that will be there as well.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I would I would bet on that as well. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I can't imagine that they would not. Um, at least in, if nothing else, in some of the resort gift shops or something like that, you would think. But yeah, that's a natural fit for being right there at, uh, at Haunted Mansion. I'm really excited about that new gift shop when it opens up, by the way.
1: Yeah, I, I always mourn the loss of something that I found... No I I I'm very I'm very upset at uh they're getting rid of uh oh what's the name of the little shop right next to Hall of Presidents
2: Oh yeah it's gone uh, I yeah, know the one you mean a Heritage House was that the name Yeah Heritage of that? House yes yeah. the,
1: and now it's just a seating area Yeah and uh that one floored me because I always got to find good patriotic red white and blue Mickey stuff there mm mm-hmm. Mhm
2: yeah, I bought a great, years ago, I bought a great Hall of Presidents shirt. Uh, it was a wraparound shirt, so between the two sides of the shirt, you had every president. And then on the back, there was a full list of all the presidents from Washington to, I think, Clinton was the last one that was on it. Mm. Um, great shirt, though. And I and I never saw another one like it, because I kept thinking that maybe they would put one out every year, or not every year, but every presidency and update it, and they never did. Mm. Um, well. You used to be able to buy, like... Uh, I remember I bought a recreation of the Gettysburg Address there, and they used to have yes. these different ones, and they, they hadn't done that in years. It's yeah, we, I
1: bought a Constitution and a Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. for the kids. Uh, and I will tell you my story of getting to go to the Hall of Presidents after hours and actually getting to go on the stage on the episode Walt Disney World for Political Geeks.
0: Oh. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just a little. And it, Bill Clinton is involved as well. Oh, That's wow. All I'll tell you. A little bit of a tease.
2: That's all I can think of at Epcot. I I was really trying to think where else you could find any Marvel presence. Now, I I will tell you that you you wouldn't see this in the parks, of course, but uh, back, uh, gosh, was that really two years ago already? It it was. It was two years ago uh, this October. I went to the 30th anniversary celebration for Epcot when Epcot turned 30. Yeah. And there was, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of it, but there's between Canada and the United Kingdom pavilions, there's a convention, like a special event pavilion there. I've just completely blanked on the name of it. I'll point it where, out to you the next time we're over there if you've never been there.
1: Where the, uh, where the Celtic group plays?
2: Yeah, right behind there. Yeah, there's a big okay. pavilion back there. And I'd never been there, but they had it opened up for the thirtieth, and we went in, and uh, they had several different presentations all day long, um, from you know Imagineers and special guests and different people, and at one point, um, Tony Baxter was there. Oh and wow! Tony Baxter gave a presentation all about the creation of the original Journey into the Imagination. And unfortunately, you were not only, and you were not able to take pictures, and you were not able to audio record, which really stinks because I really Ugh. wish I had a great copy of that. But anyway, it was a, it was a fantastic presentation. And during the presentation, he showed a lot, and I mean a lot, of concept art from the original, you know, the, the just the outpouring of the Imagineers' ideas for what they wanted to do for all of the pavilions for Epcot. But they, this one was specifically focused on Journey into uh, Imagination. And I remember one of the pieces of concept art, and he made a little joke out about it that. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was something to the effect of "Hey, who knew?" And it was a picture of a Spider-Man comic book during a part where Figment and Dreamfinder were going through, uh, you know, through their journey. But it was focused on like children's literature type of thing. And huh. one of the one of the things, one of the floaty images as they're going through that section of the ride was specifically a, a Spider-Man comic book, and I thought that that was really neat. And of course, nothing you'd see there, or what? But I mean, it just tells you how far back, you know, this, you know, pseudo relationship between uh, between Marvel and, and Disney goes. You know, and I know that's a bit of a stretch, but I just thought that was fun. And yep. you know, everybody in the audience got a big laugh out of that.
1: Pretty neat. Now, Animal Kingdom. You found some interesting comic yes, book likenesses there.
2: Absolutely, um, I'm going to have to I've got a little. Little list here, but yes, there's uh, there's actually a decent little uh, Marvel representation over there now, in the Dino Land area of Animal Kingdom. So that's you know when you first go into the park, it's going to be off on your your right hand side. Once you go you know over to the, the Tree of Life area. There's a great little shop over there that that Scott and I disagree about because he, he's not crazy about the uh, the theming over there. I'm I'm a big fan <laughs> of it. I love Chesters and Hesters, which is the uh, the gift shop area over there. And in the in the gift shop in Chester and Hesters, of course, it's all dinosaur themed because this is the dinosaur land. And they have figures and toys and uh, trading cards and just just dinosaur stuff everywhere up like in the ceiling and in the rafters and everything to to add to this very eclectic looking mix of dinosaur themed memorabilia and one of the things that they have quite a few of are comic books just a a whole lot of comic you know framed comic books just up on the wall all mixes, all companies, just anything related to specifically uh, about dinosaurs. And, you know, I went on a quest there. This was quite a while ago, and I just went on a little picture safari, taking tons and tons of pictures of all these references, because I want to add these issues to my comic book collection and and have, you know, a specific sub-collection that I call, you know, the Comics of Walt Disney World. And I've been slowly working on this over time. And... Of course, you know, being comic books, there's a, a good number of Marvels in there. So you've got like a... I don't know, you want me, want me to run these down, what they're actually in there?
1: <laughs> yeah, now, all of these are actually in the uh, in Chester and Hester's, the, the mm-hmm. gift shop
2: there? Yeah, you've got uh, Conan number 176, Uncanny X-Men 61, which is a Neil Adams issue. You've got... There's tons of DCs here, so I'm looking, just looking through my list, just kind of scanning here to see what else I've got... Um, you've got a Devil Dinosaur, number three. Nice. Uh, lots and lots and lots of spa- uh, Star-Spangled War stories, but those are, of course, DC Comics. Um, a Dino- Devil Dinosaur, number seven. Code of Honor, number one, which is actually a prestige format book. And then one that's really odd. I am still trying to find a, a copy of this book on the cheap. I'm really not sure what it is. I think it was intended to be like a uh, like a beginner reader type of thing for, for children, but it is a, a comic uh, style. You know, I mean, it's in the regular comics format. It's called Adventures in Reading, starring Spider-Man, number one. So that those are the ones that you can hmm. find there. And then of course there's a uh, a themed restaurant in that area of Dinoland called uh, Restaurantosaurus which I love because I just I love the theming in the place again all dinosaur themed and uh, it's kind of an eclectic mix as well but I like it because it tells a great story if you go and you just really fully explore this this restaurant you you find that it's actually telling you a story about the people that lived and worked at this dig site mm-hmm. and at the Dinosaur Institute and everything. And, of course, in one of the back areas, uh, there's, again, comic books in a lot of the theming. And the ones that are, that are easily spotted in there, because there is a section that's above you and, like, up in a loft. So it, it looks like someone's bedroom, like, up in the, the attic loft area. There's a lot of comic imagery that you can spot up there, but because it's so far away, it's really hard to make out specific images, so I don't know what all those are. But I know that the comic book covers that are featured in the restaurant area, you've got an issue of uh, King Conan. These I don't have the issue numbers of, unfortunately, but there's a King Conan, I believe it's an annual issue. And Call the Destroyer. And I think mm-hmm. there was another one that was like Marvel Team-Up or... So. No, I guess that was it. Just those two. Um, but They're in there as well. And uh, that's a great little area. I, I really... I'm a big fan of Restaurantosaurus.
1: Which used to be, for people who don't know, basically it used to be a McDonald's. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, uh, once McDonald's and uh, Disney kind of had their falling out over health food issues, um, it became... Uh, kind of a. It, it's almost Pecos Bill on menu. Uh, it's right, still kind yeah. of a burger joint, a good burger joint. It is. But it has a lot of character, a lot of personality, and as you say, a lot of storytelling.
2: It does. It really does. I was trying to think if I missed anything with Hollywood Studios and. I can't think of anything off the top of my head beyond uh, you know. At the moment, they have guardians and and they mm-hmm. have actual uh, or had anyway those characters. I don't know if those characters remained after the uh, the villains event or not. And for a time, you know, like uh, similar with uh, with the Noria Pavilion with uh, with Thor. Those shops that are on the right-hand side of Sunset Boulevard, as you walk from, say, Hollywood Boulevard back to Tower of Terror, I can remember when I first moved down here in 2010. For a time, those first couple of shops, like the one that's the the out front, is like the movie marquee, you know, and it has the ticket booth in front of it and all. That one was loaded, and I absolutely loaded with marvel stuff marvel memorabilia or not memorabilia but uh like toys and t-shirts and such they still have some but they've scaled way back but the last time i was there they did have some uh some winter soldier toys i don't recall if they had any t-shirts or not uh and of course uh the uh gift shop that is over uh, attached to the uh The sound theater where they're doing the guardians preview last i was there was just chock full of guardians uh
0: you
2: know collectibles and and merchandise as well i know that when when sid cuengas was still sid cuengas before it became (laughs) what it is now they uh they had a lot of uh you know, I mean, their their whole shtick in there was all movie memorabilia and like, yes. framed, you know autographed pictures and such. They had a lot of Spider-Man stuff in there from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. Uh, most of that stuff is moved back now to the, um, the Backlot Tour gift shop, and I'm not sure if any of the Marvel stuff is back there at the moment or not. And... You know, off the top of my head, that's all I can think of now... I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that there are people listening that'll be like, nope, you missed this, you missed that. Feel free to write in with that stuff because, like I say, this is all off the top of our heads. And of course, you know, uh, probably, arguably, the biggest Marvel presence right now at Walt Disney World would be uh, at downtown Disney. Yep. Um, There, you know, you can find uh, things in the gift shops and such. And there's the one that's on the west side down by the AMC Theater. What is the name of that place? I'm always blanking on that. Is it D Street? I mess
1: that up. I mess that up every time. I always say Mm D-Town, but I don't think it's D-something, though. Is it D D Street? Street. D Street. Street? Yeah, D D Street. Street.
2: They actually have a great Marvel presence right now. They have a lot of T-shirts. They have a lot of original art that's very, very nice. And so far, it's the only place on property that I've seen. You know how they've been, in the past couple years, they've been doing these stylized Mickey ears? You know, yes. cause, you know, you always had like the classic Mickey ears that you could buy and like, yep. get your kid's name on. But then over the past few years, they've been doing all these stylized ones. So you have like a Haunted Mansion one and a Tower of Terror and you know, all D2. these different thi- R2-D2. They actually had, uh, last time I was in there, they had two Marvel-style ones. One is Spider-Man ears and one mm-hmm. was Iron Man ears. And they were However- really cool.
1: However, they're not the only place that you can find those ears. Oh, are they not? No, if you head across the same property and go to World of Disney... Oh,
2: World of... yeah, okay, yeah.
1: (laughs) They also have them sitting there center stage. Do they? Right dead in the... You know, there's a big... In, like, the dead center of the store, there's a big rounded uh, display area. Mm, And they have it right there.
2: I know what you're talking about, yeah.
1: Downtown Disney, period, is just... It's replete with Marvel t-shirts, hats... Uh, I I think even they sell I think they even sell Electronics accessories and that kind of thing as well So if you want some good Marvel stuff Yeah, yeah, you're not stuck Just going to Islands of Adventure You can go to Downtown Disney And go to D Street You can go to World of Disney You can also go to Once Upon a Toy Mm -hmm. Which is the Hasbro store That has extensive Marvel toys in it
2: What's funny is, uh, again, when I first moved down here, this this all happened right around the same time, so I suspect that behind the scenes, something weird was going on. When I first moved down here, uh, in the boys section, you know, the, the action figure se- uh, section, essentially, of World of Disney, or excuse me, not World of Disney, but of uh, Once Upon a Toy, mm-hmm. they had a massive section and, and a huge amounts of the... Um, the smaller Marvel uh, action figures, not the um, Marvel Legends, but the ones that kind of replaced them. You know, the, the smaller, like, G.I. Yeah. Joe style. Tons of them. And the reason I know this is that there was one that Logan, my youngest boy, was was looking for. And so one day, I, I stopped in there to see if they might have it, because I figured, if I'm going to find it anywhere, I'm going to find it there, and they were all gone. Ooh. And I talked to one of the... Uh, cast members there and she said no something happened we had to pull them all but that's all she would say now of course this was probably two years ago or better
1: and Um, I would be willing to bet that right after the purchase uh, the Disney purchase Universal probably had it under the uh, was under the impression that it was anywhere on Disney property right and probably from there came the no no it's theme parks
2: right Right. because they definitely have a Marvel presence back now it's big. not as big as it was originally because in in you know, and I'm talking strictly about Once Upon a Toy and Once Upon a Toy. When I got to Orlando you know, when I moved down here, that entire if you know the room I'm talking about, you know where it's now. Yep. You know, there's a little bit of Marvel, there's a little bit of Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah, that the boy, room, toy room. Yeah, boy, toys. And it was, that room was almost completely Marvel stuff. It was action figures, t-shirts, and comics like crazy. They had... It was the first time I'd ever seen these, like, comic... It was almost like a dispenser of single-issue comics. It was really cool, and it was like these big, like, uh, plastic block type of things, and you, I don't know, you pulled a... turned a crank or something, and a comic would come out and they had just tons of them and just like all the new issues that were out at the time you could that's how you could buy them from this little like dispenser machine those are all gone um but slowly after they cleared everything out there was like no marvel presence for a while and then slowly over time they built it back up but now it's just like it's a section and there's a few t-shirts and you know action I don't think there's anything exclusive. I don't see any action figures that I couldn't find at like the local Walmart or whatever but some of the t-shirts I think are unique and there's a few little tchotchke items you know, refrigerator magnets and they have um, a decent little selection of trades and uh, and collected editions and things like that but not like it was when they first rolled it out so I'm hoping that eventually they'll they'll be able to open it back up again. I'm not sure if they were able to get Marvel back in, then I'm not sure why they didn't go whole hog again like they did the first time. I don't know. Maybe it's a once-bitten, twice-shy type of thing. I'm not really sure, but it was just a little bit strange. But definitely uh, definitely also, some Marvel presence there.
1: Yeah, and I also have a feeling that a lot of that is, is there pushing. Again, I think they're going to push it and push it and push it to provoke a legal proceeding of some sort, and that's where it'll all be resolved finally.
0: Could
2: be. Could be. I, I would not doubt that. But yes, so, definitely. Yeah,
1: for Marvel fans, you've got places. Mm-hmm. You've got things you can do on the property at Disney World.
2: Absolutely. I was trying to think if there was anything in uh, in Hollywood Studios as far as the different you know pieces of like mem- movie memorabilia and such, but off the top of my head i can't think of anything so again you know you listening if if you can think of something that we missed most definitely write in and uh, and let us know what we missed because i definitely encourage uh audience participation with this particular show because i I want i want people to uh to geek out with us over our our mutual love of disney here so we had a little announcement regarding next episode right
1: yeah, we've got one more feature we haven't gotten to yet, and we're calling it I Know Something You Don't Know. <laughs> and what's going to happen is, each week we will randomly select something at Disney World. A park, an attraction, a resort, a restaurant, and believe me, theming and storytelling is just as prevalent in the restaurants there as it is anywhere else. It's not They're not just places to sit down and eat. So, we're going to randomly select one thing at Walt Disney World, and then the next episode, Scott and I will present one thing that we've learned or that we know about that thing that we don't think the other knows, and we'll see if that's the case, and we'll have a discussion about it. <laughs> so, we won't do it now because we haven't chosen one yet, but we will choose our first one. Now, Scott, I would like you to choose a number between 1 and 275.
2: <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Um let's say You don't have your 275 sided die with you? <laughs> let's say 138.
1: 138. Alright, I am flipping through the 2014 Burn Bomb Guide to Walt Disney World. We go to 138, and there's nothing there's no particular attraction there. The first attraction we get to is Spaceship Earth. Oh nice. <laughs> I so... can
2: definitely talk some Spaceship Earth, alright.
1: Next time around, I know something you don't know about Spaceship Earth.
2: If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at two true freaks.com. two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s you can email two true freaks directly at two true at gmail.com two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on itunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True True Freaks.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if this concludes your visit to the Walt Disney World Resort, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Please collect your belongings and watch your head and step as you exit. Please assist small children by the hand. This is the Transportation and Ticket Center. Thank you for traveling with us.